When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. So, yeah. Finale. What was it called again, Dave? What was meant to be. What was meant to be. Okay, and apparently it was meant to be that the season was too short. So, eight episodes up, eight episodes down. We are obviously going to talk about literally everything that happens here a lot of chaos. If you're a Bingetown faithful follower, you know, we like to bucket things as much as we can to kind of guide our discussion. So we're not chronologically just all over the place. It might get a little messy for us later on, but we will figure it out. Um, trust us in that sense. Hopefully, honestly, no further ado. I think we should just dive in. I want to give a statement. I feel like okay. we should give a little bit of a statement here because this, that this, works. this is end game here, right? So yeah. I'll just start because I, I wrote a couple things down. Um, but this was a fucking ride of a season. Like this was way better than season one, in my opinion. And I liked season one. I really liked this this season as well. The finale was slightly weaker than the last like four sprints of episodes, which I thought were amazing into this finale, which has some amazing moments. But again, they missed the mark with a lot of stuff that I'm sure is going to piss off a ton of book readers. But yeah. isolate it in a vacuum. I still think it was a great episode. I still have my gripes specifically with the dagger being the worst. Some yeah. things with Moraine that I'll talk about later. Overall, like this was, I feel way better than I did coming out of season one, though. And um, I think the future's like there. I think we're as long as the the views and the ratings keep staying as they are and people don't like destroy it for this this episode, I think we're we're in a good spot. Like I, I really enjoyed some of the Matt stuff in this episode as well. Like again, a lot of peak moments in this specific episode, but a lot of down moments as well. And I'm sure Kyle, you probably have more thoughts on that than I do. Cause I'm not that intense in picking it apart for like differences between the books, but I do like some of the iconic moments and yeah. So general thoughts are, I liked it. I didn't love it. Like I have been loving some of the last episodes, but season two was a success in my opinion. My, oh, yeah initial like feeling when i watched it the first time was this is the worst episode of the season i don't know if i still think that way I've, i like it a lot better on my second watch it's infinitely better than the season one finale i will say mm -hmm. I, I was just, gonna say this is deja vu because yeah. you said that it, like two it, years it just, ago it feels like there's just some softballs that were coming down the plate and they just completely whiffed on them and it feels like obviously having no experience of writing a tv show and what it means it just felt like there was really easy things they could have done that they missed on my hope is that i feel like this is an episode that show watchers will completely love mm -hmm. like i feel like it was everything was just like epic like all of the reunions the fucking post-credit scene we'll call it that it was awesome and there's like so much stuff i think to be excited about for sure i just it, it i was i after i watched it, i was like oh man like i don't know I, I didn't want to say anything in our chats or anything to taint anyone's views of it but we'll talk through it all and we'll get through it and just to go off the back of one of your comments there every single non-book reader that i've talked to about this season in any capacity has been 
on cloud nine with this show. Like this yeah. season has been way better. People I work with, people I'm friends with that have never touched a fantasy book in their life. My dad, like universally, this season is being loved enough by non-book readers that I'm not worried about it. And again, like I probably am on the higher spectrum of book readers. So I don't know. Again, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Dave and Paul. What do you guys think is just rooks? Because you guys are who I'm talking about now, I guess. Fit in that well, category. Yeah, you know, Dave is going to be out here yelling S tier. <laughs> oh, you spoiled it. You took the words right out of my mouth. I am going to say that I think this show is A tier because there's some things this the finales are tough man i don't know what it is but i think it's more they go for the spectacle and then 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 they whiff on some of like the finer points yeah and you know me looking at all the things i'm like i i can't wait to get some explanations or like figure out why this was like this because there are so many things that i didn't understand and we'll get to it but you know end of the day this this popped off man this was awesome this was you know everybody got their moment to shine um it was just like non-stop action you know it was like the longest episode but it still felt like the shortest going by so i i loved it let me bring the energy back up here and just say <laughs> this show is an s tier show because this finale was fucking incredible i mean i agree with everything you guys have said for the most part there were definitely some gripes even just as a, a plain old show watcher i've still had a couple gripes but nothing that tainted my uh imagery of what this season finale meant to me and what it was definitely agree that the season one finale was way less it didn't hit as many nodes as this one did for me and as a show only watcher this was a i couldn't have asked for a better finale to be honest yeah and i think um just getting into it the i feel like the beginning the first half of this episode i thought was great i mean the opening was like we open for 3000 right when it said 3000 years ago on the screen i was like oh baby they're doing it to us yeah like i was like oh my god this is sick so basically we're 3000 years ago we get the og dragon lose theron telemon himself in the flesh i love this actor i think he just looks really cool uh it's just like a very bittersweet moment for him with his old friend ishamayel and they're at the eye of the world um so yeah i'm sure we were all feeling quite the emotions in this scene i'm freaking out i was like (laughs) oh here we go dude five seconds in and i'm like type 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 um i loved it i mean loose loose lose whatever you want to he's just he's the man he's so cool he's like obviously in this position of power right now he like he's a freaking dragon but just the way he's confidently standing in front of like a vulnerable and trapped ishi who to us is like the strongest being out there um it just nuts so i was all about it and then the fact that they dropped out their friends too like they knew each other well no idea that was a thing going that's forward. That's so funny because I that always has been like an, an assumption, like a general assumption mm-hmm. in my mind when we're talking about it. But uh, for obvious I'm reasons, just, I'm just trying to like think back. And I don't think they ever hinted towards anything like that. I mean, obviously we get Moraine later this episode, but I mean that was like okay, that puts so many things differently than because <laughs> if the wheels just fucking going in circles, here we go. So uh, I, I I couldn't ask for like a better opening scene. And I don't know if it's going to be like the thing going forward because they opened the season one finale with the age of legends flashback. Um, But I mean, fuck yeah, I'm all for it. That would be a great thing. If the only times we're getting 3000 years ago, flashbacks is in the finale. I'm going to be pissed because I just crave all the content from that time period. Now Um, my only comments here was, it was really cool seeing the scenery 
I, I we get introduced to the scene of them being there at the eye of the world. And I could just easily tell, like, this is exactly where Rand and Ishii yeah. fought at the end of season one. Like, it was so well portrayed that you could see the decay and everything, but you could still also at the same time tell that this is exactly where the showdown happened in our time. So that was really cool. And I also love the idea of seeing Ishii have male eyes to die. There were there. There was like six or seven of them all keeping him contained. Mm-hmm all trapping him in there um obviously they say it's like the strongest i think they i might be confusing this with jjk now but is this was this like <laughs> were they saying that this was one of the stronger ceiling spells or, or I'm, I'm i don't think they mentioned that's totally jjk did, yep there we go but <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah i crave every every content of three thousand years ago i mean so, no you're you're kind of right dave like they he Luce even says, like, rumor has it, I won't even be able to release this. Oh, that's fair, release you. So oh, okay, true, true, true. You know, there kind of was. It's just a cool situation that we get to to see directly. I think that we are gonna do this at the end of the finales of each season, which I'm fine with. I will say I liked season ones better. Like season one's three thousand years ago, and the, and you, it pans out to like Earth, like super advanced was one of the best moments of the entire series for me so this was going up against it if i was going to say this is a better loose scene but i'm happy that they keep the actor around and i'm sure he'll be around for more it seems like we're going to keep getting it until the breaking of the world happens is what i would assume so maybe not every season but at least the first couple seems to be where we're going but my ears perked up when we got the name drop of another forsaken here uh, and um, this is a little bit skipping ahead, but I think it's important to just try to kind of establish it right now. It seems like we're going to get eight Forsaken, right? Like that, that's what we're going to have. I think so. We already seen our main two. Two more get name dropped here. And Kyle, remind me if they say Mogadine or Mogadian. I mean, I'm a Mogadian guy. Well, what did they say? Well, they don't say it because it's in yeah, the Yeah, they do time. at the very end of the season, oh, at the end of the last oh, scene. at the end of the episode. Oh, I mean, I'm, just, I'm a Mo Gideon guy. It doesn't really matter to me, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's a crazy spelling, and the audiobook switches like midway through, which is yeah. why this is like a thing in the fandom. Like they, We don't know what the correct pronunciation is, so I'm curious what they said at the end. I'm always mixing them up. So if I say Mo Gideon, Mo Gideon, it's the same person, but she gets name-dropped, who we see in the epilogue of this, season, of this episode, and then Samuel, who... First time, right? Yeah, yeah. Which and they is, don't no context they, on that, but yes, yeah. So cool. Luke and I were spending a lot of time deciphering the names and I guess genders of each Forsaken. So because earlier in the season, Lanfear references um, who were the names? Mogadir, Mogadian, or Mogadine, Mogadine, <laughs> someone else, and then the boys. Yeah. So we already. So now we know here that i'm assuming that the other name that she drops here is a guy samuel so we basically have five of the eight name confirmed and names confirmed right i think so yeah yeah and coincidentally yeah. five of them are guys but those aren't the ones that like at least at least one or two more guaranteed to be guys because of the context of how landfear spoke right. about it earlier in the season so that's just where we're at right now yeah watching all these men channel i mean just watching men channel in general is just weird to me because like we haven't really seen like you have ran every once in a while but like he's so like almost timid about it besides this episode but like seeing that group of men all just uh imprison him it was it was pretty sweet this is i just like the scene a lot because you don't get a lot of like tender moments like this between i mean you don't really see a shamio like this so i just like the idea of like lose knows him so well like he knows that in reality he would rather die because then that's kind of nothingness 
and he basically tells him like i i don't want to do this again like we can't just keep killing each other and and being reborn into the wheel and, and spit out and all that kind of stuff and he, he kind of apo- and he apologizes i just it was just such an interesting like almost a thought exercise for me because it's not like i don't remember ever us like getting this in the book so this was cool this is one of the the benefits of the show is that they can give us things like this so i thought they fucking nailed it incredible meta conversation about the wheel of time yeah. like not the show but like the actual wheel of time yeah. so it's a really cool idea yeah all right so we're gonna fast forward three thousand years into our current day and i think so we'll just kind of take things chronologically up until the sean chan kind of charged the city and then all hell breaks loose in the battle there's just like smaller scenes that kind of lead up to it essentially the one is the first one that kind of happens right after this is we get the the white cloaks kind of planning in their little war camp i thought this looked really cool like visually the colors looked really cool to like seeing like a war camp like this and we get the born holds we have dane and, and jeffram and the i think the one or maybe the main important thing here they just bring up the prophecy again the white cloaks are aware of this prophecy about how in the, you know in the time of need the dragon will come to foam just curious of what you guys thought about like the white cloaks in this moment citing that prophecy and also we had that conversation last pod about how they're like on our team but not on our team i was kind of surprised that the father was like so quick to dismiss the idea of the dragon prophecy uh not coming true or i guess coming true i I just figured with how much again we've talked about how they are definitely anti you know the dark side that they would at least want to embrace the idea of there being a hero and it's especially it being a male hero, I feel like that definitely is a, a win for them as well. So I, I was kind of shocked that the dad was so quick to dismiss the idea, especially knowing how much at least child Valda is dedicated himself to the light. I feel like that would have also been kind of the same case for the father, but wasn't the case. And the son yeah. seemed to be more who was Dane, right? The son. Yeah. Dane is the, is the son. Yeah. Dane seemed to be more open to the idea of it. And coming back to a pretty boy, baby. Yeah, pretty boy. <laughs> yeah, Borny Jr. Also <laughs> yeah. is another name. Borny, um, Borny Crouch Jr. <laughs> yeah, Borny Crouch Jr. But uh, no, so I the 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 White Cloaks just don't like channelers in general. Like they they call the prophecies like a dead witch's lies. So I figured even male channelers, they're like, nah, fuck this. We don't want this guy here. They're not like the true light. I don't know. Like, that's at least how I would take it, unless there's something else in the white cloaks I don't know about. Um, but they just think the powers from the dark. I just, of. it's like the also philosophy. Borny Sr., how he was just like, you know, we got notes asking for help, even from the Amerlin. Was, was I hearing that right? No. So I think what happened was the, 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 I guess they call them the leader, watchers on the wall, essentially. Yeah. The leader it's of the city. Fall the leader of the city had sent out a request to all these powers saying, Hey, we're being invaded. We need help. And no one answered the call except for the white clothes, the white clothes. That's why they were there in the first place. Okay. Okay. So it's like good guys. Well, yeah. We just fight evil and these people are slavers. So, yeah. And he brings up, uh, Dane says, why are we doing this? We're going against tens of thousands of people. And the father, I really did like the line where he's like, no one answered the call. We did. I just really like that. It just kind of shows how um, the father is just like this strong-willed person who doesn't really take shit from any outsiders. And I, I really like that line from him. The White Cloaks played a they play a you know important part in the books, and I they know they kind of 
do something that's needed for the story. And I thought they did it really well in this episode. They weren't like super incompetent. Like they were killing a lot of Sean Chen. Like they, the fight was good, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't have to love them, which adds that nuance to them, which makes them more interesting mm-hmm. for this specific story. I don't really have anything else to add because I'm just happy that they got some more time to shine because it feels like they were only in one episode besides this. And mm-hmm. they are very like obvious presence in the wheel of time book. So overall, like, net like the net total of their season two impact i thought hit for me and i don't really have yeah. any complaints well i will tell you what i definitely like them less after this episode than i did <laughs> going into it but fair enough but we will get there so i guess a little foreshadowing is that we'll just probably we'll jump into that scene ish a little bit where this is just parent avienda bane and chiad and hopper are rolling up to farm the only reason I bring this up is just I again because I mentioned it either last episode or two episodes ago, where the ideal like the ideal ideal I did that as well, where like death is waking up from the dream and like parents kind of confused when they're talking and Aviana just says like many people will wake from the dream today. I just that line just feels cool as fuck. What Definitely. was what did the line before that mean though? Why did she looked over and she said that doesn't belong here? Perrin looks over. There's absolutely nothing over there, and then she says, "Many will awake from this dream." I thought it was the white smoke I, of the I white think, cloaks. Yeah, I think she sees. I again wrote in my notes, and I think it just hit me that that's what she was talking about. I couldn't see at first I, when I first watched. I thought she meant like Hopper, like doesn't belong here no, for this fight. And I was like, I okay, cause, yeah, because Perrin immediately turns. It's like, hey, bro, like you should probably stay here because he looks over and the focus is just not on the background. So I can't yeah. tell what it was, but you're absolutely right. Paul. I think it was definitely this, the smoke now that you mentioned that. Also, and that, and that makes sense. And so why they would say many will not, many will awake from this dream today. Yeah. Hated, hated that line that parent had to Hopper where he said, stay like he was talking like to a, like a dog. It's like, yo, you're one of the pack. You are one yeah. of that's your brother. Like the way you said it would have been cool. He was like, hey, man, I think you should yeah. stay here. But, but instead <laughs> he said, stay. And I was like, fuck you, dude. You're the new one in the pack. Hopper's your sh- senior. Hopper should have <laughs> just listened. Dynamics. He should have just listened. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't get don't that dog some don't, mittens. Don't pre creep. Dude, again, I, I it's just funny that like, what has he been eating and drinking? Hopper? I mean, I guess what <laughs> have any of them been eating and drinking? But like, it's just funny to think of him just chilling on the sand. While they all just go into the city and Hopper just like rolls around basically in the dirt. Chasing all right. lizards. So these um, next scenes kind of fold into each other a little bit, but we get the immediate aftermath of the end of last episode, which is Lan, Fear, Lan, Moraine, and Rand are traveling through the ways. Uh, yeah, there's one absolutely insane thing that happens here, but there's two kind of cool things. And obviously we will talk about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lanfear's just lack of fear, I would say, <laughs> um, of channeling in the ways to do. And a little conversation about how she caught Moraine, like twisting her words too. Like, yeah. she's like, hey, you open it. Uh, the Dar or Ishi took uh, my powers. I was like, yeah, took them for a second, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Lanfear picking up on that is awesome and then her just flick of the wrist to open it when meanwhile last time it was like Moraine doing a whole yep. like yeah. interpretive dance almost to go along with it um, so it's just a, another flex and then the flick too um, and then she turns around and is like finally we're alone I was like yeah let's go bang scene <laughs> and then he, with the with the all the 
Ma Shin Shin flying around. Yeah, Ren's like, oh my god, you channeled. Like, now it's going to come get us. Yeah. I was like, relax. Uh, So, I guess this is technically uh, what the hell happened moment for people that never touched the books, right? With like the end of this scene, I think. And I guess I, I'm like talking to Kyle kind of right now, like without like trying to spoil anything, but like the, cause like the Machin Shin comes just in and, and just warms them and you're like, what the fuck happens? And the next thing they're, you, you know, they're in farm. I think that's just something, just put a pen in it for right now. I mean, I feel Dude. like they tell you at the end. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how explicit. Yeah. They've was. been dropping hints. Yeah. Throughout this, and and Rafe even did in a Q and A of like I saw that yeah like the Easter egg was at the end of last episode. Basically, yes. a use of the power is that you can teleport. Okay, it's and fucking it's awesome. it's that was <laughs> yeah. supposed to be ta- the takeaway from when she knocks out Matt, and then he's wakes and up in form without having to go through yeah. the ways. We kind of had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Me and Kyle just kind of slipped through without really saying yeah. anything for the same. But it's it's obvious that's what happens. They're in the middle of the yeah. ways. Then they're there, like they teleported. It makes a lot more sense, especially with how the Forsaken are constantly like meeting up and stuff like that. So that's really what you're supposed to get out of there. But another thing I wanted to bring up too was I was worried how Landfear and Moraine were going to be in the same scene directly after last episode. And I think they handled it pretty much as best as I could have hoped because I was worried she was going to be Landfear was going to be like too nice or like not cruel enough. But her flicking her out and just eliminating the problem and saying, when the time comes, raise the banner. Like that was like as good as we could have hoped without them coming to fighting. So I was I walked away from this this scene happy. Um, I don't know. Is that what she said? Right? She said when the time yeah. comes, raise the banner. And I think she was the banner. best. Like I'm, you're literally only alive because I need you. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you have a role to fulfill. That's why you're not dead right now. I like that. Like reminder of the fact that Moraine's kind of like a bug almost in her eyes. Yeah. And raise the banner. I'm guessing just means summon the dragon. Yeah. Like okay. Do- Help I mean, fulfill the yeah. prophecy. Yeah. Well, because when, when she first says it, I'm like, "What the hell does that even mean?" Raise yeah. the banners, and it was obviously meant to be ambiguous. But obviously, yeah. looking back on it, me- makes sense. Okay, yeah, that just clicked right now. So, thank yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> I, I know you're saying it was obvious, but you know, it was literally my, not to me. I wrote it in my notes. Like, why does she say raise the banners? But like, looking back, I easy delete to that note. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. They, just to go back to the teleport thing too, mm-hmm. it does make sense because even at the beginning of this season when she is in the carriage with Perrin mm-hmm. and they get attacked, he just steps out the door and I'm like, is he even there? Like, is that an illusion this whole time? So they've been kind of leaving trails around, I guess. But uh, yeah, just the confirmation of that definitely makes me view things differently. It's, Forgotten it's weaves, those, baby. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. what I was just going to bring it's exactly up. It's something it that nobody can do. And the comment in geez episode three maybe when moraine and ran are on the run and they have the horses and she says like a horse is there anything slower you guys interpreted that insanely well because like in the books like we're not really thinking about like the fact they had flying cars but in reality like they were just teleporting around and there's also another method of like moving around that i thought they yeah. were, she was actually talking about but whatever that's a people sentence. people were like book readers were kind of upset they're like why the hell would she ever ride the horse like there's no need if she knew they were going to tarvalon like she should have just went to tarvalon but it was like it, it was it's fine because the storytelling worked way better than no way. but they were well, she was just chasing them yeah i was gonna say yeah, you gotta i agree you're I'm just, just tracking them yeah yeah it's, it's a you gotta follow the trail thing. yeah i was just gonna show up and with just the, like with the whip of power that was awesome oh, we wouldn't oh, have yeah, gotten yeah. that like come on they call it um I guess we can just put a name to it. It's not teleporting. They call it traveling with a capital T. So it's like 
Uh, I like so that because it's, it's like it's like the only like it's traveling. It's their own like their form of transportation. Like nothing else fits into traveling besides teleporting. Because why? Sorry, are the forsaken anything the else ones? but teleport? Are they the only yeah. ones? Are forsaken the only ones that can do this? It seems like they're the only ones that know how to do it. Yeah, like I mean, those, obviously, like, if Moraine knew how to do it, rather than taking the ways all the time, she would just. And I'm also, teleport- you have to be really like it's not like an easy weave. Yeah, I'm. Just, yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Probably got tiny ass legs from their lack of walking around <laughs> yeah. that's fair enough fair enough i mean why would you why would you walk anywhere okay so we get out of the ways lanfer and rand have split up at this point we'll obviously meet up with rand later lanfer's scene here is that she goes right to ishamayil they have a little conversation i initially wrote in my notes that this is where the betrayal sinks in but it's so not true so i backspaced it but i said it out loud to then create a little conversation because some interesting stuff does get said in this scene but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily betrayal i mean is we get another the the quote of the the day it feels like is you know there are many paths to walk in the night and it, it just gets laid down here i mean Ishi is pressuring Lanfear to kind of almost admit that she's working with Rand here, and yeah. then she counters with that point, and Ishi's like, eh, you know, I get what you're <laughs> saying, but sounds like what you, the path that you're walking is directly going to go against what we're doing here. So he definitely seemed um, to kind of not really buy into what Lanfear was doing here, but yeah, I took it as they were kind of discussing whether Rand was ready to join the dark. Mm-hmm. And Lanfear was just kind of pressuring him and saying, yes, he's ready. He's saying, no, we need more time to we need more events to have him push towards the dark is what it seemed like he was kind of saying there. Yeah, I like the insight into his kind of personality a little bit, whether it's a true characterization of him, if not, but she's kind of like you would just keep planning and planning and planning and planning and want every piece to be perfect. But like, it's not going to end up like that. He's either going to choose us or not. So I like Which that kind sense. of a little insight, yeah, into like him almost as a person. I thought this Definitely. was this was genius for both of them. I thought it added a lot to both of their characters, and this was really good as just somebody who's like me thinking about it through the eyes of somebody who doesn't know too much about them. Like this was so good. Like, yeah, Landfear's is Landfear saying like let's just do it just because she's like impulsive, or is she right. saying this because she's betraying? Is she like who knows? But she also goes on to say he's never going to join us unless he knows we're not we're individuals. Like we're not just blindly following the dark like we all have our own goals and i've been harping on that all season anytime they talk about it because i think it's very important quality of the forsaken and it comes out tenfold here so it's like mm-hmm. it pretty much is solidified that these and then especially with the epilogue and mogadine comes in and that adds to it even more like that's one of my favorite themes about the dark side and they keep leaning into it so i've been happy with every time we have these conversations plus anytime it's just forsaken talking it's always like it's a like top five moments yeah it's like <laughs> that's, it's like that's the it. best moments ever that's Especially why it's the end like yeah fuck yeah that's why i ride or die for the dark side baby there's many <laughs> paths to walk it sounds like if you're walking the light path you only got one path to choose lame let's well, go multi good no i i like this a lot because it kind of showed the fact that Lanfear sees rand like lose the dragon reborn as the star of the show and she kind of sees him as a tool so that it it, you guys had a line earlier when we were recording like real early on where you were like yeah, yeah like if all the forsaken and dark friends were on the same page like they'd be so easy mm-hmm. easily able to conquer over like the Aes Sedai mm-hmm. and everybody and 
I mean, this just reinforces it and really shows you why it's like all these powerful people and they all just have different ideals in general. You know, sometimes they overlap, but not on everywhere. So I, uh, I just love the fact that they're like super strong bad guys, but they're also wild cards. It's yeah. it's like, oh my God, you don't know what's going to happen. Nishi's yeah, kind they're, of, they're fun. Nishi's feeling that regret of waking yeah. her first because it's funny because it's like two or three episodes ago. He's like, I definitely chose you for a reason to like, I woke you for a reason. And now he's probably thinking I shouldn't have chose her. Yeah. It's like that slimy little schemer. So question, mm-hmm. well, honestly, spoiler jumping forward, but is this when he leaves to go break the seals? Do you think? No. Okay. Because they're in the room with him. The seals. They're all those slabs. Oh, right there. Those slabs are the seals. I thought they were. Okay, we can okay. get it. We can confirm. Like, we'll, I guess. We'll talk so land about, fear, but those are it. So Landfear sees them. And then that's why she goes to Doman and is like, you need to. Yes. Does she say you need to steal them from there? Or is she like, I'll give them to you to ship she them says, out? She specifically, I believe, uses the words give them to him. Okay. Okay. I totally didn't get that. And we're, I mean, we're right about to get there. The only kind of quote unquote background setting scene is just we have like the incense walk to the gates. We kind of talked about it and initially. This is like the white cloaks charge into the city. The only reason I bring this up because this is like my one not one, but like one of my gripes of the episode. And it's not even like a story thing. It's like a sus- like suspense of belief type of thing. And you know, I love me a nice cavalry charge. Do not get me wrong. I mean, usually the young sung MVPs of battle for sure, but like there's no, you couldn't hide a fucking cavalry charge of this size behind a fucking incense cloud created by six little boys. Like the fucking ground would the walls would be shaking in the city. Like it's just like I, I just don't like. Yeah, I just don't like how like the silence of horse hooves up until like the part when it's convenient. It's just like a personal thing for me. I, yeah, I I was saying the same thing. I was like, as soon as they were visible, I was like, dude, just shut the gate. And it's like, how, how did they get that close without yeah. shutting the gate and the way they broke in and whatever? You can't like, charge you can a single it. city gate. Yeah. With like fucking a thousand men on horseback. It's just like <laughs> they would see you and hear you so far away and be like, yeah. oh, look at these Plus, dumbasses. Such a small little door. It's like <laughs> you guys form a single file line yeah. on all your horses. They're like, oh, oh, oh. But all right. All right, yeah. That. Back to the fun stuff, which wait, is do, so. Do we do uh, the land and marine thing first? Like that's kind of like a side piece, or is that you can link that into? I had that. I'm just like a little, like little the battle bucket. Oh, okay. you don't trust the just host. kind of just set us up for later. Well, I mean, we were doing all the other setup for everybody else, but okay. Yeah, yeah. and that is purely me responding that on the fly because clearly I made a little mistake in my notes. So <laughs> I appreciate you unquestioningly having my back, Dave. Thank you. Maybe maybe I do like the shadow. Yeah, you do. All right. So this is the battle. So there's chaos is going on. Essentially, the white cloaks have breached the walls. Things are happening. The first little bucket that we're going to discuss, we're going to go right back into our Forsaken talk because we love it so much. This is the Forsaken background planning bucket, essentially. So the first scene in this is a Lanfer scene as Lady Celine. So we kind of just talked about a little bit. She sees an old friend who we learn is an old friend in this scene, which I thought was a great little detail. But Master Doman our boy, the captain of the spray, and she offers him a lot of gold for a very interesting favor, which we know is to dump these seals into the ocean. I love that he addresses her as Celine. What are you doing here? Yeah. Because I mean, obviously, we have been stuck as stuck on land fear for a few episodes now, and 
Master Doman's living in the past out here. Doesn't even know who she is, but <laughs> she says like she's got the six, you know, slabs as Kyle likes to call them. And I kind of knew immediately in my head. I was like, we're talking eight forsaken. We know Ishi and Lanfear. That's quick. Makes sense. Right yeah, I was like, I think I even said it aloud to Luke. There was no comment over there, but I was like, these have got to be the other forsaken. But it was in my head. It was confusing trying to decide why Lanfear wanted to get rid of him. Makes sense that she was just actually for Rand the whole time and she's doing this for him which makes sense so love seeing uh doman excited to see more of him on i feel like since he's a traveler he's just capable of popping up sporadically throughout the show so this won't be the i don't think this will be the last time we see of him all right can you guys explain this to me so is she had all the slabs there but they <laughs> weren't released mm-hmm. correct okay so she was like all right grab all these unreleased things and throw them in the ocean okay yeah, well, she was I, like, no one would ever find them again. Yeah, I totally wasn't getting that. Okay, now that makes so much more sense. Um, I was like, I don't know why she's doing that. I guess they're clues to be able to unlock other Forsakens. I didn't realize it was actually the thing holding them in because you know, when we saw uh, Lanfear get released, I don't know, I was focusing on the whole building or whatever. I was, yeah. I guess, focusing on that one little disc of moonstone or well, that's why no, I was heartstone moonstone. Queen DR Heartstone. Well, yeah, yeah Lanfear is the Lady of the Night. So Moon, she was worked at the end, the Crescent. So you're thinking right there. Um, totally the, on <laughs> I just I remember mentioning last episode talking about the slabs and just because uh, like we see them in the Dream World initially when Lanfear and Ishamiel first had that conversation there. I just remember being confused because it felt like like it's crazy that he has all of them already type of deal. It felt like I thought that was gonna be maybe like a story point of like him getting them. Slow, but I, I guess it makes more it kind of just ex- expedites it it's much better i think this way i was just like whoa what the hell they're gonna do with this and i think it worked out really well what they did with it this episode i like how he's master doman's like dude that's so much money what do you mean and she gives him like <laughs> she like goes like this with that bag and he could have got way more money for them yeah. than that bag for sure <laughs> i was like what the fuck is in there it's better be like I don't even yeah. know what if you go if you go dump that million dollars in the ocean, I'll give you ten grand. <laughs> yeah. She didn't even have the line, there's more where that came from. She just holds up the little pouch. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, true. I also yeah. thought it was funny if like it kind of begs the question of like why didn't loose there and just do that? <laughs> like they had yeah. all the seals just like go dump them in the fucking ocean <laughs> and we never have to talk about it again. It's kind of it is a little tricky though the whole ceiling thing because like lose obvious like it makes sense like hearthstone they're saying you know nothing can break it not even the one power but then you know and then it goes back into the three thousand years ago it makes sense that lose is kind of talking about the hearthstone and sealing ishi in there saying you know even i might not even be able to get you out of this but then i'm also thinking ishi released everyone so easily like is there a specific well, no he didn't release anybody or, I, mean, except he for released, I mean he re- re- released landfear specifically with such ease i'm just wondering if there's maybe like a specific weave or something that allowed him to crack the heartstone so easily so there's a specific plot point that i don't think we should talk about in ter- in regards to the seals that i'm no i i understand what you're saying and like at the time, I think he was telling the truth, but I, I think it's a different circ- set of circumstances right now. And I, I just I'm dancing around this because this is like a plot point later, um, in relation to the to the to the material and the seals themselves. So I, I guess what it's best is just let you two just guess, mm-hmm. then us give you an answer because it'll 
probably well, Kyle just kept Kyle kept hitting at the slabs, and I was like, I don't even know like what you're referring to, but like if I were to go back and like look, and then then I would be more receptive of everything. So, so what it is they're there the, in every scene. Yeah, yeah. The, I just so never... at the eye of the world, like when they're standing in at the end of season one, when they're standing on right. that slab, that is the seal. Right. And like Rand shoots the power and busts it. So mm. my thinking is that what uh what Ishi did was go directly to once he came up with this plan went to where Landfears was broke hers and then went to all the other ones collected them and said these are mine and like hoarded them I but they're basically like huge slabs of just fucking like circular I even took it as he probably gathered them first and then awoke Landfear well, no because we saw him go to where Landfear was in the in the opening we yeah, saw but he could have had that the other slabs because like, I'm just thinking like it would have made sense for him if even if he awoke Lanfear, knowing that she might have a chance of betraying her, just being a little bit like cautious on the end, like not knowing she is a wild card to me, she's more of a wild card than is she. Like I feel like he would have. I'm just trying to give flowers to my guy, just in the sense that I feel like he <laughs> he would have prepped for Lanfear to like when he released her. By okay, having to have like them. having this backup plan essentially of yeah, like, kind just of releasing like if, all of them. If and I didn't yeah. gather them. Yeah. If I release Lanfear, how do I know she just doesn't? go yeah, look for if him it was, and release yeah, him herself yeah that's, that's i mean a good point. that makes sense because he was talking about you know we're not ready yet for the dragon to be announced because he's the dude that wants backup plans on backup plans so it makes sense that he had a plan for land fear i'm a little bit upset i thought we were going to kind of get like a like a race yeah. To the Forsaken you, Holds. Yeah, like, I remember you saying this. Oh, like the re- locations revealed, like we got to beat them there. But I guess with the teleport and shit, that kind of busts This is more fun because now going forward at any moment when we're watching seasons, we can be guessing, is that a Forsaken? Because now they can be out already. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think it I was actually say, works. Paul, it's kind of almost like it's still that way. It's just they're unsealed now. Like they're out there in the world, and now it's it's not necessarily a race we're trying to find them because I don't think we really want to find them, but like they're out there now, and yeah. it's like we will obviously be encountering them in the future, and that'll be fun for the podcast. You're all right. So speaking of plans of a Shemayil, this is the next scene. Essentially, him going to Surath, and some things obviously happen around this between this etc etc but um he goes to Surath and gives her some new marching orders which is essentially take your strongest amane and you're gonna have to shield rand when i give you the order there's just one comment that i will want to make but obviously we'll talk about it and then if it doesn't get touched i will make it i just love that he's like wait for my signal turns around to leave and she speaks up to question him and he just turns around death stares at her and she's like, oh, sorry. Just yeah. Her voice, voice, too. Her voice's name's Alwyn. And I was like, who the fuck does she think she is when she's like, she says something to him to like question him? I'm like, you're like lower than the low right now. <laughs> like, yeah. where are you getting the balls? Mm-hmm. Uh, my only comment is on Ishi mentioning to her at the very, very end saying, um, do you have anyone that can gentle a guy? I think is mm-hmm. what they specifically like you, said. Because he said, make sure you have enough girls like on t- on tap basically and yes. says do they know how to gentle yeah uh that's just interesting because i know like i feel like gentling and stilling is it seems like it's been presented as a pretty difficult task to do and you need a bunch of yeah you need yeah is it 14 or am i making that number up so 14, gentle someone, there's, you need there's a different reason for 14 
or 13. Way to spoil it, bro. Nah, I mean, there's no... Like, that's, oh, 13 that's trees in the background. That's literally why Swan showed up to nah, it's gonna be Kyrian eight, yeah. with 14, right? Or 13. Whatever the fuck the number is. It's, you know. Yeah, someone will, someone will answer in the comments, but I have a different thing in my mind of what it would be, but um, it could be, it could be both. Okay. Things. It could be Either stealing way. and the other thing I'm thinking of, stealing slash gentling, and the other thing I'm thinking of. It's but just, as always, people in the comments will get us right. I just it's interesting because we kind of know that Ishii's fully prepared to either just have Rand join the dark side or just kill him. So I just wonder like what why the middle ground of gentling him? Like That's again, you could have just shielded and killed him or shielded major case to have him join you have him join you i think i think gentling accomplishes the same thing of like okay next turning is when like this guarantees another turning right i guess so the only thing i can think of maybe is like like get him to like that level of despair like taking the dragon off the board is like technically still good for the shadow of like you're setting the world up where like there's no dragon but like we're in that era where he's supposed to be which is like the worst case scenario i i guess i don't really know for sure it's a decent point dave pulling this out of my butt but um what are the options because later on we get man blowing the horn saying i remember so i don't know what that means but you say man yeah what the fuck did you say (laughs) did i say you combined man. man You, you combined Rand and Matt, That's I'm pretty sure, heard. and you said I think land, man. <laughs> and like, uh, well, technically. But you meant to say Matt. You meant to say Matt. Just man. Yeah. <laughs> Matt the man. Come on. Yeah. We called him not man earlier, man. right? I'm going to shoo that idea away that he like, is not the like man. Like a spoiler-free script. Just man was, blows the horn. <laughs> just going to let it go, but then Dave stopped it. I was just All like, right, I heard well, it. Thank you. Right. Well, uh, I didn't. But anyway. My only guess to why Ishii wanted to keep him gentled was so that he still had time to convince him that the dark was like the good side and time to join him. And maybe on next cycle, like he would remember or something like that. Um, But that is totally, totally just me making shit up right now. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that'll be a, a topic of discussion that the Internet will get into. I guess I'm excited to see people's takes. I think that is a very good point, Dave, from where I stand. My two comments, because I know I said one, but I have two now, is that I like how they've they are implying that this OG baby bender chick is like very strong. He kind of says, obviously, Egwene's like the one that he's talking about when he's like, is she in position? She's at the tower. So Sir Out's like got Egwene where she needs to be, essentially. And then he says, like, you know, something about like your strongest demone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's obviously that girl that they've been showing us and showing us and showing us and showing us. I just like, we're getting that reinforcement. Oh. And then the second one is that the first time I watched, he walks in and he like dusts his hands off. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck is that? And then, okay. cause he just oh got, he just God. came back from breaking yep. all of the seals. So that's oh why his my. hands are all. Yeah. So he'd like, mm. that was like the little sign of like a timeline of it pretty much, which is fucking cool, S- which is early S- on S- technically. S- yeah. That's good like, writing right there. Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty early on in the fight almost. So like, that's kind of cool that they like were unsealed and like everything was going on and they were like 
they had time almost to like interact with the battle. Obviously, it seems like they didn't. But I thought that was a cool little touch for sure. I, I saw him doing that. I didn't even make a note, and I was wondering what is he doing there? Yeah. He's doing the LeBron James. He's getting. Yeah, I was the- like, yeah, what? Like <laughs> they zoom in on it, and I was like, well, okay, clearly this means something. Yeah. And then I yeah. was like, oh, I can. I had make a note, here. make a note, and so much other shit happened. <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah, took a backseat. The whack thing to think about is if anything, if breaking seals is anything like when Landfear was released. That just means that all six, like the other six, were just like in thom, and they all just like yeah, that's what, yeah, got out of just chose that's not, crazy. Chose what if not we already saw another one? That's totally possible, right? But I probably not, just because the no, it's possible. Just because <laughs> of cast, like casting purposes, probably not. If but they like, had Pat Pat and Fane in the background of an entire season. They could yeah, but throw he was like a... cast from the start as Pat and Fane. Like it might be too preemptive to have casted like their actual. Oh, okay. You know, all of them type of deal. Yeah, I think that's what Luke was getting at. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So now we're going to move on to a new bucket within this chaos. This new bucket's going to be Nynaeve and Elaine. So we're going to take them kind of throughout their whole story up until well, just the tower moments is like Mm -hmm. the big finale, obviously, push. Not a ton happens with them. I think there's some interesting things to talk about for sure, though. So the first thing we get is Nynaeve dressed up as the Soldam. And she's kind of just forcing the info out of the new Demane. We don't learn a ton here. I'm just very curious of what we thought about like Nynaeve, like who we know as like the wisdom, the healer, but we also know she has this side to her of just like not necessarily reveling and hurting this chick, but like just giving her the pain so hard because we hated Renna because Renna was doing it to Art Girl. So we see Nynaeve doing it to someone we technically don't like, but I don't know. We if approve of no, like we it. approve. Yeah, <laughs> we, we approve of the, the torture on the other I, side. I had a note Definitely. that. Yeah. I'm like Luke is like Nynaeve stock rising because of this scene. <laughs> like I'm sure, but no, I loved it. I mean, someone you needed that brutal side. What were they gonna do? Be like, oh no, I'm sorry. Like, did I hurt you? Like Elaine when she was like, she was almost gonna tell her to stop, and I was like, you better not. You better let yeah, let her Elaine cook. Did not man. Like let it. her let her cook. So <laughs> I liked it. She's brutal. She's harsh, and I just thought she looked like a ninja turtle. Yeah, dude. Revenge porn's the best. Paul knows me. I love this kind of shit. And if Nynaeve didn't have this scene, okay. she was going to be... <laughs> Out of like context, a... that line is horrific. Yeah, Wait, dude. what? You never Paul heard that term? Me. No, 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 no. For sure, for sure. I'm <laughs> just saying like the actual reality <laughs> oh, of revenge porn. Yeah. Revenge porn, I mean, Paul knows me. <laughs> it sounds like a crazy backstory. Like I, I wish I said in, in shows at the end. Yeah, of that yeah. Luke right. likes revenge. Dude, like, I still always, anytime I, I'm talking about like the way that I was satisfied with Joffrey or Ramsey's storyline yep. is kind of what I'm like hinting at. Mm-hmm. Um, and without this scene, dude, Nynaeve was easily my LVP of the uh, episode this... because the end, because yeah. everything after that, ev- everything after this Getting fired up is just awful from her, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And I know I already have someone in the comments a couple weeks ago called me out for calling her an lvp but i've been i've been yeah. putting on the the fucking the easy mode for my naive <laughs> hate so just enjoy that i'm glad you said it because i was absolutely gonna say this will be the only praise i give naive for the entire episode yeah, because yeah. she definitely did her job here i loved actually seeing her torture the person because i'm just thinking <laughs> in my head this part this demane has been torture or this soul dumb has been torturing a, a demane yeah to worse extent so Give it, give it back. Definitely 
give her a taste of her own medicine. So great scene for Nynaeve. Definitely Elaine being a little softy. We love softies, but come on, we're trying to yeah. we're trying to save some some people here. We need to do this. Also, Nynaeve looked amazing. I love her. Oh in yeah, the, mm. in the those song. outfits are really cool. I like the spine look to the backs and everything. Like they're Ninja very Turtle. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> definitely looks like a ninja turtle. Uh, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say that I love Nynaeve's explanation of it. She just kind of feels everything like in her mind, yeah, the and then bundle of all, sensations. All it takes is a little push. I kind of like that aspect of it. Um, and then I love how she, the prisoner, the one with the collar on, is like, like I can't, I can't go outside. I can't let them see me like this. Like it's the shame would be too much. Basically, it's like she she would rather get tortured again than go out there at first so i don't know she didn't realize how much naive would torture her i guess Mm -hmm. they they pulled a line straight from the books here so at first i remember thinking like damn you know this is like a crazy naive moment but i I just i i I don't want to read all of it but i almost almost want to read all of it because it, it is like exactly like the point of why you guys are feeling like positively towards it of like this is what it should be so Nani basically says as far as i'm concerned you're worse than a murderer worse than a dark friend i can't think of anything worse than you the fact that i have to wear this thing on my wrist to be the same as you for even an hour sickens me so if you think there is anything i'll balk at doing to you think again you don't want to be seen good neither do we no one really looks at the Dabane though so as long as you keep your head down the way at least one is supposed to no one will even notice you but you had better do your best you can you can make sure the rest of us aren't noticed either if we are you will surely be seen and that that is not enough to hold you i promise you i'll make you curse the first kiss your mother ever gave your father do we understand each other and it's like you're that's yeah awesome you you were gonna wish your dad never banged your mom man (laughs) pretty much with the pc version of that almost i forgot why i wrote great quote as a note and i just knew one of you guys would write it and i just didn't remember what it was but there you go yeah she just like talks her completely down just like all right be the word this is how it's gonna go all right and then yeah the next is Not great for the team. So no. the fucking the, arrows, man. The demonic gets murked. <laughs> and I just like how in that scene, like they walk into this courtyard of just complete chaos. The tower is like still so far away. And this night goes, we made it. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're like 25 and then, yeah, minutes. And demonic gets murked. Lane catches one in the knee. And it's like, we fucking made it. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Yeah. We never made it to Mount Weather. (laughs) Not even close. Somebody explained to me why Elaine couldn't heal herself. That is one thing you can't, you cannot heal yourself with. I feel like we've talked about that. Yeah. Like Moraine in episode one. It's not like an oath. Yeah. But it's just like a. Okay. A boundary is not well. That makes word, me but... feel better, at least. So no, it's, she... a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Because she, I, two seconds later, she starts healing Rand, and I'm like furious over here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, why no. is she waiting on I need? Yeah. So, uh, just this is total, total, total pushing the boundaries of the rules. Could she have pulled out the arrow by herself using the yeah. one power? Okay. Using the one power, she could. She could probably remove the arrow from herself. She just liked the that would be my slow, naive like that's, push that's not healing yourself oh yeah insane yeah, we talk I feel about like... that that was my comment is what was <laughs> Why are we the... not pulling it yeah they were they just had push and she's <laughs> okay. like great idea and i'm like no not a great idea like so, if anything snap it and then yes. like pull it like yeah no off. don't pull exactly like you're supposed to push but yes yeah, snap the end off so the feathers yeah. aren't like going through your fucking legs flesh 
Yeah, that was funny. Well, I did I'm not know that. Now I'm curious. Why are you not supposed to pull? Yeah, I didn't know that. Like pushing uh, just like was like so awkward. It could have just like broken half because the arrowhead is gonna rip more shit on the way out. Uh, so you're supposed uh, to so you're push saying, through. Okay, we were on the same page. Yeah, but... don't think oh, oh, oh! I meant like I, I was. I was assuming it went like it had an exit wound. And like she could have just pulled the rest of the shaft, like oh, okay, yeah, no, yeah. yes, okay, yeah, we're talking about this, yeah, not point. like not like pull it out, yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about the same thing, just one of yeah. us the same push and one was, yeah, 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 I just the the you grab from the front, I grab from the back, so <laughs> just <laughs> like just the way it looked of her, just like pushing down on it, just felt like that super slow. I was like, dude, I guess also, I mean, how much interaction does Nynaeve have with battle medicine and people getting stuck with arrows? How about maybe take it like that, maybe. Also, and she's flustered. Enough. Okay, she's flustered. Like, what else is it going to take for you to channel that daughter to die <laughs> again? God, yeah. oh, dude, just just put that seatbelt on and strap in, baby. <laughs> At least she had the foresight to not listen to Elaine when Elaine's like, "Leave me." She's like, okay. "Now nah, I need your channeling." <laughs> like, that whole I'm clearly a bum. That whole conversation where she's like trying to get uh, listen to elaine like imagine a bud fl- or a flower budding and she's like no no no, that doesn't work for me that or i'm sorry that doesn't work for me the beers are hidden that doesn't work for me so i was like okay is it just her method like if she imagines something else like she already tried the river flowing um she should maybe listen to the wind again like you know in season one ah. she was getting some things there so i didn't the- there's also current, some things yeah, with that. The current too. under the current understanding of the sisters in the tower essentially is that she cannot channel unless she's like angry or afraid. It's almost like I think it's the two words they use this season. It's like she's touching the other side of the power where you need to grab it. It's not like just the water where you fucking flow with it. It's like she's touching the other it's, dude side. So it's obviously a major plot point for her. So it'll be a be thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is she a dude? Really? <laughs> and is this is like pushing real live subjects or something. That's a wild take. I'll just say. <laughs> I I'm, usually, not one, I'm not one to shoot down in theory, but that is that is yeah, a take. I usually am quick to hop on to Paul's I'll jump ship on that one. I would think Lan has something to say about that, but it, yeah. also true. Yeah, yeah, you could just ask him. All right. So now our next bucket is going to be Matrim Coffin, Matt or Mand, uh, as as some of us maybe not like to call him, but do call him. So this is kind of just going to be all the dagger stuff before he escapes. So we get there's kind of scenes mashed together, but basically Pat and Fane is called upon by Ishi to accelerate their plans. Naturally, that involves Matt. Pat and Fane presents Matt as he's kind of locked in that room where he just had his trip in with the dagger and Matt makes a decision that surprises Pat and Fane. It's surprised to me of the ingenuity of it. And uh, he kind of looks like a badass almost at the end. So a lot of things kind of happen here. This is like four or five scenes together, but let me put it out there. This is just a retcon and let's just move on about it. Cause yeah. that is what this is. There is no explainable reason why loyal Ingtar Uno weren't dead at the end of last season, because this thing just, if it touches you, this is what it's supposed to be like is what mm. it is now, which means like, okay, kind of, well, kind of, but it's, yeah, I guess it's a little bit different, but it's like way more close to what it's supposed yeah. to be. Then it's totally in, an auto kill. This is just, we just have to accept that they admit that they fucked up in season one and move on. And yeah. I like it a lot better once we do that. 
I want them to spend money, go back, CGI it out, like get rid of the Ruby Dagger. It is causing so much confusion, I'm sure, for so many watchers out yeah. there. Like, um, and I'm I'm like still mad about it. I don't I know they like owned up to it, but I'm like, I, I want more. Like whose fault exactly was it? Because how does that <laughs> one tends how, to roll? How does that trickle through? That is such a big plot point. So I'm like, I know it was like COVID, but like did they need like reshoots or some other shit? Like, I don't, I just don't get it. Well, so if you didn't know, at, at, after the last actor that played Matt. Matt left the show, they reshot every single yes. scene that he was in. So it, it, you know, like there was yeah. a lot that went into fixing this and moving forward, we're fixed. Boom. Done. Yeah. I, I think it was more like the context of like who could possibly even be in the shot. Cause they're kind of painting themselves in a corner of it was literally Pat and Fane with an auto kill dagger. And then, uh, fades with auto kill swords and i was like uh, how do we do this <laughs> so i think that's kind of what happened so yeah we now it has a, a new power basically which is fucking it just melts steel i think it which, just melts anything it touches yeah. i was waiting was, i don't i mean i i don't know how i feel about that personally i don't like it i'm gonna say at all and that feels like a type of thing of like how does it turn it on and off I'm like, how is it not going through its own hill? Yeah. I mean, yeah. how I mean, does it I sit on the table? How when he knocks it off, does it not go through the floor? Like, like the fucking lightsaber in the Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. Like, how is it he's not, not just doing he's that? He's not touching it when he's going through the doorknob. Like, he's holding the stick. <laughs> so, well, like, just devil's advocate. Now here. I'm thinking I, about I, the lightsaber episode, and it's so funny. I hate the knife too. Like, that is definitely my main yeah. gripe as a show watcher is the knife. That's obviously the one thing that I probably liked least amount of this whole show so far and if that's it whatever we'll move on from it but to play devil's advocate if it's only the metal part that is technically able to cut through anything i feel like the knife held would was preventing the actual blade from like touching the table that's fair it's a magical but, item with a no, ruby in it. I mean, everything yeah. you guys said the knife is stupid because like we it's saw like when it stabbed Matt in season one, that it, it didn't like melt his skin or anything. Like it just infected him with something. And now mm. we're kind of seeing it, it melt things and infect people. I don't yeah, really it know. just has two things now and well, it just it just yeah. feels like like Matt could have got out just being like a sneaky little boy. Like he that's who more in his character than like this knife getting like a second buff. I will say I I always love seeing when Matt is resourceful, like when yeah. Leandrin had him trapped at the White Castle. Like I I love seeing him kind of plot his way out of there, and even here, like knowing that he's going through this like addiction of the knife, craving its touch, pretty much, and then he comes up with this genius idea in the thought of like just wanting to straight up touch the knife that he's able to just wield it like a staff. I thought that was really good. But yeah, knife overall L. You're you're he, doing the white castle thing on purpose, right? Yes, yes. I just want to make sure because we have not yeah, said he white did tower. It, he did it last episode yeah, did. and we didn't say anything. We haven't My, said white tower in a while, so I just wanted to make sure that's one hundred percent the white tower for anyone who hasn't listened. Paul accidentally okay, no, 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 called no, it the good. white castle. I love the bit. Three. I love the bit. Damn, Paul. My yeah, put me on blast. <laughs> Call me my name. What what the fuck did Land do last season when he's like, I will dispose of it, and Patton Fane just ends up with it like two seconds later in season one? Like that annoys me because also Land threw a cloth over it, and the cloth was touching the blade, and he was able to move it then. And, and okay, so that lines up. But at the same time, why didn't? It you sucks, it. dude. That's why. Just get rid of it. Yeah, it's just dude. Poorly I just, written. That's I, the worst I part. just, yeah. it bothers me. It bothers yeah, me a it lot. It totally bothers me. Well, I, or as much of a big part as they made it. 
what I mean, it's a huge part, not just yeah. already. It's it was like the skeleton to, key to the whole fucking episode. It's still going to be a huge part. But put that shit aside yeah. and just like my childhood self coming out. It's fucking badass as hell when he puts it to the staff and he just starts whipping right. it around. Like I was like, that's when he became mad at the man. Yeah. That's what that's I thought everybody man. knew. Yeah, I, I love Pat and Fane's reaction of him reacting to matt coming out of the door because he's so cocky he's just like oh it's one I hour you, yeah. <laughs> yeah i thought you were gonna last longer than this and he just is holding it in the staff and he's just like oh yeah that was a great reaction just again shout out to matt i think his resourcefulness is just really fun to see in these moments when he's like back against the wall he's he's really good at thinking through things i like pat and fane's attempt to convince him of of like coming to the dark side and stuff when he says like accepting and embracing the darkest parts of your soul that's real strength but that was just like an interesting obviously different perspective than maybe most people are just used to even hearing and then i like how he says that um like pretending like they don't exist like some hero from a gleeman's tale we both know that's not you and then i guess that's an interesting kind of flash into the the horn blowing scene when they get the comment if he's like i remember and all that kind of stuff and we know it summons old heroes and those like that i thought that was an interesting line they put there. I have thoughts about that as a whole, but we'll obviously get there when we get there. And the whistling motif is fantastic. When he <laughs> whistles as he leaves yeah. the room, it's just like, fuck yeah, that's a big smile on my face. I want that to be my thing from now on. I'm going to start <laughs> whistling when I'm out. <laughs> I thought he came off a little bit like Weak. like kind of like a little bitch, a little bit pattern pain, which yeah. I guess he was supposed to, but that's just, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of like... Crush. I'm still thinking about how I feel about Powder and Fane. I thought, um, like he's not in my MVP consideration. If that's that's a spoiler, Whoa. yeah, I would uh, unfortunately have to agree with yeah, you. But okay, so I think Pat and Fane to me, after unfortunately, yeah, Dave, Dave's the validation I need it because I know he's higher on him regardless. So I wanted to know if I was like, out hate of to or not. hate to talk bad about one of my dark brothers is, <laughs> yeah. is Dave's. I hate it, but um, I will say this episode kind of made me feel like Pat and Fane just isn't a fighter. He's just the background guy, like Kyle said, kind of more like a cockroach who's he'll he'll weasel his way into doing things for you but he's not going to be the one out there front line fighting for you yeah i mean yeah he's just is kind of built to to survive do a little dirty work a little daga little daga work the dagaba system baby <laughs> <laughs> okay. rocket league all right so that is going to move us into our next bucket which is essentially mostly parent but then matt obviously intersects with it so we did the matt stuff first the ending of that little matt bucket is that now he's just completely on the run just out into the chaos of the streets of foam so we're gonna back 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 backtrack a little bit to the start of perrin and his experience with the maidens avienda bane and chiad in the city of foam so they're kind of making their way through the city and they run into some familiar faces so not necessarily matt yet Excuse me, but they run into Ingtar, Masima, and Loyal. The line where the what are the manes of the spear is what yeah. they're called. They're talking, they're like, Yeah, did you really see an O'Gear here? He's like, <laughs> Yeah, I knew what I saw. And you know, of course they run into it. I wish I mean, I don't know if it's timing, I don't know if they had a plan for it or whatever. I wish they showed how they got the horn. Um, you know, not the biggest did, deal. Did you hear the, the line? Horn. No, I didn't. They said we got it with some help from a lady from Kyrian. Oh, which is Lady Celine. Oh, oh, oh which oh, is oh, 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 that's that is wild. No, I didn't hear that at all. I heard yeah. Lady of Kyrian, but I 
for some reason, I literally thought they were talking about uh, Varen. For some my reason, my ears don't work so well. Is why sense. I need the subtitles to be able to read <laughs> yeah. these things. But yeah, okay. I thought that was a great little detail, which was that, I agree because it was like, what the hell totally are they talking? Like, we need to get the horn, we need to get the horn, and then they just have the horn. But totally I think that fine. was that was a great use of like limited time, I guess. Oh, totally, totally, totally fine with that. Now, um, I the only other thing that I thought was weird about this scene was I was like, wasn't Perrin, I guess, you know what? I think Perrin was taken away before the horn was gifted. And then they saw him mm-hmm. open it because they're like, oh, we can't open it. Like, and I was like, well, you didn't you, didn't you watch him open it before? So, you know, the, them going in with the knife again, whatever the knife is like, I just wish there was, I knew about that burning through any object yeah. beforehand, but you know, we have, we without a little that, bit to go before that. Okay, yeah, yeah, true. We got some um, cool things to talk about before that. Fucking Ingtar jumping right into battle too. That's fucking awesome. Loyal has a great line too. Just like they're like all kind of you know squabbling around, and Ingtar's like, you know, we need the old heroes, and Loyal says we're all the heroes of another age's legend. I think it's time we start acting like it. And I was like, damn, bro. So, I don't think that's a line from the books, but I was like, that's that feels like a almost like end of series yeah. line from Loyal. What about right the current there? heroes? Yeah, that was cool. I, I was listening to that line and on my second rewatch, I kind of clicked. I was like, what if Loyal tried explaining that to Moraine about the dragon? Because like Ingtar is like making the case like we have what we came for. We don't need anybody else. It's kind of like how Moraine's just always like, oh, yeah. we have the dragon. Nothing else really matters. And then Loyal's out here like trying to hype up the rest of the squad. Like we're the heroes of today. Let's like save yeah. our ourselves and the others around us. But just always, I just always think like what if Moraine had heard that line? Would she just like scoff at the idea of that and just be like, Phew. yeah. Nothing else matters. Oh, yeah. One of the coolest, coolest parts of this episode. As soon as Perrin and I'm sorry, I don't even know if there we are there. Perrin and Matt reunite. All of the mains of the spear put up their like masks. Yeah, they veil up. We are uh, the veil. Yeah, and we talked about that. You know, the veil's up. It's too late, and they immediately go in. I was just like, so cool. I am going too late to Sean Chen. I'm going to backtrack you to Ingtar's death because I think this is my least favorite scene in the entire episode is because so he mentions the line like one man can hold 50 here and that's like getting straight from the books like they're in foam all this chaos happening and the bad part is that like they show us him not hold 50 there. Mm -hmm. He holds like four there which felt like kind of spitting on him a little bit but also drum roll Ingtar is a dark friend. Really? Like Ingtar is supposed to be a dark friend. It's supposed to be Ingtar that let them into Faldara. Wow. At the start. Like that's why like when we meet and, and when we meet like the, the aftermath of Pat and Fane, that fight and there's like the dead Shinaran and yeah, Ingtar's like, you, you know, if you sat down with Pat and Fane, like maybe he'd have a reason for like what he did. Yeah. And like, that's because like he is a dark friend. He's telling Uno not to spit on that body. Exactly. Yeah. He's like gassing him up. Like he's making some good points. And it actually makes sense for Dave's preference of, hey, he was speaking dark friend language right there. And Dave was eating it up. That's yeah. Was it just was, it. Because it's supposed to, in this scene, it's like he reveals it and it's to Rand technically. But Rand is like, you know, there's no one so deep in the shadow that you can't come back to the light. Like the whole book two plot for Ingtar is that like he wants the horn so bad because he wants to redeem himself because like he saw what happened or what was the aftermath of him being a dark friend and helping out and like them killing all the people in Faldara and he wanted this redemption so hard like the whole book is him like I need the horn I need the horn I need the horn I need the horn 
And then we get there and he does the sacrifice mm-hmm. and Rand doesn't tell anyone that he was a dark friend. He just, you know, no, he dies. Noble. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it was such an, it, it just like they, I felt so easy that they could have reworked it where it was just kind of him and Perrin like in an alleyway with something like that. It yes. just felt like I could, that was one of my favorite parts of book two. It's such an amazing moment. And it literally happened in the show. And I was like, that can't be real like that. Yeah. that. That didn't just pass us by with him saying one man could hold 50 here. And then he gets killed immediately. And then that was it. The worst part of that too, is that they stand there and watch him die. So yeah. it's like, you guys run on, all protect you and they walk 15 feet backwards and then stand there and watch him fight off a few people and then die it's like dude your death basically means nothing at this point so yeah you know that, that was like when i said at the top like like a softball that they just whiffed on that felt like like it just felt like why did it not happen it's a when I was talking early on, it seems like they're going more for the spectacle than the actual like content. This is kind of what I was talking about too. Like they wanted the scene of like watching him die and all that other stuff. And it's just like, kind of takes away from the yeah. actual moment and the action that he was doing. But I mean, I mean, this is just show aside because it seems like he was really making the sacrifice for the horn. Like yeah. he wanted that redemption. And I mean like, yeah, maybe we talk about it in season three, but why would we? This was the easiest, just like, yep, Kyle hates that. I hate that. I'm sure everybody hates that. I was also, even though I love, I like the actor. He's our boy from uh, Da Vinci's Demons. um, I wasn't even that into him as a character early at this season. Like, I I just felt like they weren't giving him enough. And I wasn't surprised that they took this route because they did not focus on him enough to the buildup where they couldn't have done it in this. I don't think they could have done it in the finale. It would have just came out of left field. People would have been like, huh, what the fuck is that? So, yeah, I just, they they gave him the whole conversation and scene about like understanding the perspective of someone else. And it just felt like definitely just a miss. You know what the saving grace of all this is? But it's just like, whatever. You know what the saving grace is for all this? Citric gets more screen time, baby. Let's go. I don't know his name in the show if you want to see it. right? Messina. So close. Paul with his confidence. Never trust in Paul. Lack of names. subtitles, dude. Lack of All subtitles right. is killer. But yeah, just like the squad moves on easily from Ingtar's death, we can just move on easily from that scene and get back to Matt. Yeah. So they run into Matt, which is great. And a nice little reunion with him and Perrin. Then again, with another issue with the skeleton key dagger. But yeah, I fucking wish I knew. <laughs> wish yeah, I knew. Just like, floating oh, here. Uh, I, I was I, like looking out for it because I, I genuinely thought that Matt was like going to accidentally touch Perrin with it. And I was like looking out <laughs> for it. He's like giving him the hug. And I'm like, is he going to touch him? Is he going to fucking touch him? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I could think about is like, you are very nonchalant waving <laughs> that thing around for like yep. cursing you for months of hangover. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. But yeah, I'm saying I like the um, what Luke said, him with the staff is so fucking cool. Just twirling that thing around. Yeah, yeah he's a beast with it for sure. I like that we're like now matt tells perrin like rand's alive and perrin's like oh my god what type of deal and that was like a good turning point for them and i just like I, matt is always cheeky he's literally always on i just like how he's like who are the light of these people and perrin's like oh my friends and it's just like immediately like well i hope these motherfuckers can fight because i just brought the whole fucking squad <laughs> down on us and that was really good he's got Machina- shit hair yeah yeah he's alive but he's got shit hair <laughs> that was a money line totally that was just mad <laughs> it was, like it was. uh but also messina watching ingtar die 
like he genuinely seemed sad to watch his leader go down. Um, so him jumping into the battle to fight those other guys was just really cool because like he had some anger build up, but he still went and followed the horn and whatnot. All this dark friend talk, I really hope he's not bad because Messina just in his sexual biceps getting Are you going. Saying Messina, I am, but I know I'm saying it wrong now because Messina. Yeah, you'll get there. But you just like learned. I, you just it, learned. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. You know how you remember how long it took me to get away from Swan Chan to Sean. Chan? <laughs> I don't even think you've officially moved. I, on. I don't know if you're out of the woods on that one yet. <laughs> yeah, we need a few more. We need a few more Sean Chen <laughs> pronunciations from you to prove to prove that Jesus. Yeah, oh. and then just um, an interesting part of the scene is that uh, Dane Bornhold just kind of shows up here as well, kind of saves Perrin essentially. Two rivers. two rivers. Yeah, we get the classic two rivers nickname, which is good. And now looking back, we've already seen it. It's like oh, yeah. That was a bit of a budding friendship, but <laughs> not really coming back from what happens in this next scene. So Matt kind of runs off and we'll we'll meet back up with Matt again. Just we're going to do this little bit of a parent scene that I everyone wants to talk about the Matt scene. No one wants to talk about this parent scene, obviously, but it's got to yeah. be done. Choice of the content. Sorry. But so Perrin, after this kind of interaction, he's kind of forced back into like a marketplace area. He runs runs into none other than child valda himself which leads to an initially kind of amazing scene and then a terrible scene mm -hmm. just a terrible scene uh, if i'm parent i'm just i'm asking what's his name to just throw the axe in me next because hopper's going <laughs> down what yeah what do i have to live for now if hopper's gone I, it's hopper's death hurt me more than any death that we've gotten so far in this show i it's like, just like immediate tears welling up in my eye axe, i was like oh comes, my god the axe comes down i'm like there's no fucking way i refuse to believe this and like perrin there's a like he's he, his eyes change and then hopper's eyes change i'm like oh there's hope there's hope and then we see like literally his life force leaving his body hopping out of his body and mm -hmm. it's like ah oh, come on man it hurt man this one this one really hurt me i just animal deaths I'm I'm never in for. I just think of immediately I am legends. Oh, yeah, oh. another brutal one. <laughs> that is all time bad. Oh, that yeah, that one is definitely all time that bad. But I I didn't expect Hopper to die, and nor did I expect it to have this much of an emotional impact on me. But I'll never forget you, Hopper. Yeah. Um. I mean, he was number one on the hit list. Was Borny after this incident? So going down, number two, close to number two, Child Valda is just like I can't wait to fillet you and feed you to my wolf brothers. Because... I was actually cracking up when Child Valda, like when the when Hopper comes in and starts biting him, I was like <laughs> laughing so yeah. hard. I was like, yeah. "Fuck this guy!" Well, I thought he was terrible. great. I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then just yeah, like yeah. immediately, that just turns to absolute fucking ashes in your I mouth. And it's yeah, like, I couldn't oh relish it enough. Him getting eat, attacked by Hopper, but this I, dude. The fucking scene, sorry, Luke, but where the, he's just sitting in the pool of blood, like still kind of alive, making eye contact with Perrin. I'm like, who kept this in? Who kept this in and cut some of the other stuff? Like, All intents are all, baby. Yeah. Hopefully it's the same person that did the dagger stuff so we could just cut them entirely from the show. One fell swoop. Get them out of the yeah. writing room. But yeah, this this leads to like the, the moment that kind of defines parents' early arcs of just he is the gentle giant that has this rage inside of him and he just lets it go. He runs out of there and just fucks daddy. Oh my God. Up. Was it with an ax too? Now yeah. I'm thinking about yeah. it. Mm -hmm. oh yeah. my he God. was reaching for it when Valda's on top of him, which was kind of 
what we had talked about and like predicted almost of like when a push came to shove and he would back against the wall type of deal he was going to pick the axe back up again so his his fucking kill list with an axe is insane it's his wife and then that guy yeah i was gonna say is this gonna double down on his fear of axes knowing that he's just like whenever he touches one he just goes into this fit fit of rage or is he now kind of over his fear of axes paul you're the big axe theory parent guy so what do you think is he is he still an axe guy or do you think he's dismissing it after this kill uh no it's definitely his thing i was waiting again i was waiting for him to pick up borny's axe because they both of them have one and mm-hmm. they're gold studded and look filthy so he doesn't play D enough he doesn't he's not looting enough of those bodies <laughs> yeah seriously gotta lose so i don't know i loved it i love seeing the animal come out i just wish that it came out before people around him like got hurt and died like i wish he was like protective <laughs> before that happened yeah, but- but when he did that last time, he murdered his wife. Yeah, well, she was asking for it. That's what, that's like his. <laughs> that's like the whole thing. I think they're doing a great job of is showing this like crazy turmoil within oh, Perrin because like no, this conversation itself is like making me think that they're accomplishing their goal with him because mm. Perrin's not getting a lot of screen time, and that's kind of true to the books at this point. But it seems like they're getting across what they should mm. be, and I guess mm. that's more of a thing for Kyle because this is Kyle's boy, like. That's the conflict, right? As he was kind of getting dragged away, too, like he didn't even recognize he was still in that like anger, fury. So I kind of recognize that if he does let it go, like nobody's safe. He's like the Hulk. Yeah. Season three is going to be parent season. Faux show. But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Hopper was always going down. I mean, this is. Garbage. Hopper dies in the books. Well, That's why the show's A tier. It's sad. Because... It's de- it's definitely like a big pivotal moment for Perrin's character and his like relationship to like the wolf side of him. So, so very, out. very, very unfortunately, unfortunately necessary, very evil. But I mean, rip to the legend, Hopper just really helped guide our boy into the beginning of his journey as a wolf brother. Will never be forgotten. Will, the he white be, will he be able will like hopper be able to live in like that spirit plane that like perin can see like you he's know how there's me. well he's like seeing well, wondering, like, he's if, like seeing those visions quote yeah, unquote if he, if which are, are messages out... like sent by living wolves so oh were they living wolves i was just wondering or, like maybe if he's sending out these like ethereal messages maybe hopper would be his representation of the messages that are being sent but if they were like real wolves then that's not a terrible way to think though I thought that was just Hopper saying, like, hey, like, I'm jumping up towards the heaven. <laughs> the heaven. That was them like, talking, basically. Yeah. yeah. Come okay. on, bro. This is this is reincarnation's wheel of time. Is there a heaven? Who knows? Yeah, true. Who can say? Waiting for the wheel to reset. They're in the respawn room. Yeah. Hopper true. just Hopper goes in back plane. into the wheel. They're in the battle bus. They're waiting. waiting to be spun out again. Yeah. Hopper's in the battle bus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so speaking of the battle bus, people who have been waiting in the battle bus, we get uh, Matt now. So we're back with Matt after our unfortunate detour. He is ascending the city walls. He's got the horn in tow, and he is now confronted with a both, I guess, a large Sean Chan force and a decision, which the fate of the world possibly sits upon. And uh, I was like, he blow makes, that shit. He makes the damn decision, dude. I, was, I I swear to God, I just got chills right now. Like I, that I fucking loved it. I I can tell by the way you you prefaced this earlier, Kyle. You might not love this scene, but I don't give a fuck. Like I thought this was perfection. Like everything that was going on, and it's so because of the weight I know from the books and what this actually means. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't care. Like the slow motion of just seeing everybody, the way this happens, the way it sounded, Matt was like reluctant to do it. I just thought it all came together perfectly and how it plays out with showing the heroes that come back. It, I don't think they could have done it better for TV. Like I agree with that for sure. That. And I was just so fucking happy that this scene didn't miss for me. I I could talk about it forever. I have so many notes, but you guys, Rooks, what like what was this for you? I was definitely hyped, especially for Matt. I'm like, all right, this is Matt's moment. Like he's been he's been in the mud for 16 episodes and now, 15 and a half episodes. Time for him to shine. So him getting that moment. Um, still some questions and I'm not even going to ask you guys. I'm just going to kind of wait for season three to see if they talk about it. You know, as soon as he blows it, he says he remembers. And I'm like, does, does that mean he's always been a protector of the horn is like the other like ghosts around him. Was that uh, including other turns of the wheel of him and other stuff? And- he does have the, he as being like that, like, kingly like big kind of knight that's next to him says that i have fought by your side times beyond number fight with us once more okay so the, the thing with the horn it's easier in the books because like exposition is not necessarily almost like exposition in the books it's just the words you're reading on the page type of deal but yeah i mean the horn is like each time the wheel turns like you can add people for sure mm-hmm. to like this grouping and there's and there's also people like once you're in like each time you get spun out after that like your initial like you're always that guy quote unquote like you you live a life like that that is like worthy of a hero and then you die and then you go back and then you're chilling and then the wheel spits you back out again and then Mm -hmm. if the horn calls you however often that happens which clearly it's not often then you get sent out type of deal so you can you can totally be at i mean we see uno uno was a live real person he was clearly not like a spirit or anything he dies and then he was recognized it seems like by the horn which is a conversation kind of in itself but i think for the tv and like the the idea of like showing us that i think it worked well in that sense where like you can just kind of live your life now and get added in the one i would say issue i don't have an issue with most of the scene the one issue i have is them it just feels weird to me as a book reader, them insinuating that Matt is a hero of the horn. Yeah, I was, I think for me, I took it kind of like this goes, I guess, into the conversation we were just having about like reincarnation. Like I took it that like, you know, Matt, maybe not Matt himself, but his past lives, however you want to view it, talk about it has, I felt like all those past lives, you know, Maybe a few of them were good fighters and like he's kind of saying like, oh, I remember like how to fight. I remember using the horn. I remember like all of that stuff. And that's kind of how I took it. Like it was just him remembering all those past lives. And and, and it kind of makes sense that the, the guard next to him would be like, we fought in the past before. I just don't know if that person in the past, you know, was Matt because, you know, we've we've talked about how Ishii has talked about spins of the wheel and Ishii is still always Ishii. Like he's not someone else. So it, it, for me, it's just kind of more so deciphering like was Matt, Matt in another spin of the wheel or was he, you know, someone else entirely at another spin of the wheel? I, I think you have a good grasp of it. And also like you're saying, like when he says, I remember now and then instantly like says, it starts speaking a different language as they, yeah, the battle cry that he says in like the old mm. tongue was, like that was fucking awesome. We're gonna explore. that literally made me tear up. Yeah, that was so fucking sick. I I need to see what it says in subtitles. 
I know what just it how. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to see this the old tongue written out. Is what uh, I'm okay, saying. Fair. Not like yeah. I don't think it would translate it. I would hope it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I feel like no, translating no. would be kind of cool. I, I have it translated, would... but I guess I won't ruin it. Oh, geez, I guess it could. Wow, that's such no, a that's like such it... a whack thing with the screeners that I didn't I even think you're, about. You're... It would probably show the actual words. No, because... I think it'll just say old tongue because that there's gonna. Yeah. I'm only thinking because of yeah. Ishii's conversation in the beginning. It was an old they, talk. Like, they actually wanted us to understand that conversation. Right, that's different. Yeah. That's yeah. completely they, different. Yeah, they show subtitles when they want us to, not including, like, the actual subtitles on. Like, the exactly. hand language exactly. between the exactly. main maiden and the spears, they show us it. So they wanted us to know it. But regardless, just weird to see Matt so happy and confident and, like, ready to charge. It was oh, just, yeah. uh, I loved it. Um, and... Uh, I don't know about the whole like him being a hero of the horn because I the, the way they got into the conversation about how Ishi and Luce used to be best friends and how Matt was born mine like Ishi said that earlier like I'm basically thinking like all right is Matt basically Ishi just turned out again like it's weird because Ishi's still alive and never died so how can he be reincarnated but like the best friend of the dragon, the best friend of the dragon, uh, you know, the dark side is tempting him. So I don't know if it's going to go to somebody else, but I always had in my head that Matt might eventually go to the dark side. So to see that he was a hero of the horn, I genuinely thought like, all right, are these like the dark heroes? But I don't obviously think that's not. what the point was. I don't think he is a hero of the horn. I don't think they were trying to convey that either. Why are we well, saying that? Because I mean, the he, one dude was like, I fought by your side countless times. Yeah. And so, it's like, am I fighting you? Am I fighting against you? Like, I don't. But why couldn't it just way. be another spin of a Taviran that's like so important that just pops out every once in a while? Which we I don't guess, even know what Tavirans are. Like, we yeah, know the term. But but also, like, like is, is the dragon considered a hero? I don't know. I don't think that part was, like, confusing. I don't I know. I feel like even if he is, like... I think Rand kind of we're jumping the gun here, but at the end, Rand kind of says, like, in every spin of the wheel, I have rejected you, like the dark side. And so what you're saying, Paul, I feel like anyone besides potentially Rand is just like susceptible. Like, even if he was a hero of the horn in a past life, like that doesn't protect him. That doesn't give him autoimmunity from the dark. Like he's still able to be swayed. Like Rand is the only one to me that it seems like will never choose the dark side. But yeah, anyway. I I I am very, very interested to see how they talk about it going forward in season three and see if Matt even talks about it. But regardless of all the what does this mean, the actual scene itself, I mean, fucking awesome. Yeah. The way that the ghosts were able to like have that after image of them moving and swinging and like being slow with time, even Matt swinging that bad boy staff oh, around. Yeah. I mean, I was he like, charges, oh. bro. Oh, yeah. let's yeah. go, dude. When, I'm going to watch that scene again. Matt right or this. live action Nami in a fight. Matt. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he's fucking, he's got an auto kill weapon. You know, you know what? Him swinging that staff around reminded me of was a Kamiga kill, like her blade. Like, you can't oh, even yeah, nicked yeah. by it, otherwise, you're fucked. Mm, it, that's yeah. all I could think about. It I is. love. I love that like the heroes of the or who like the uh the spirits of the horn that get summoned can like interact the with people. Right. Okay. I love that they can interact with people because I love the line that Uno goes up to Perrin and he's like, Of course I'd be a hero of the horn. Like, why are you so surprised? <laughs> like I just love the the, the cockiness Bagging. that yeah, that Uno brings here at, like, Listen, 
him cursing. Also, him giving the shield. Don't understand that. He knew. I don't. He thought yeah, he I'm knew. not sure. I, yeah, yeah. I, don't know either, but... I, I mean, I guess I'm also confused. Of, what do you mean by you don't understand? Like, why would he give it to him? Um, no. So, like, is like that physical manifestation of that shield that he, like mm, Uno brought fair. in when he got summoned, and like when that he gets fair. summoned away, like does uh, does a shield go as well? Like, it's, I don't, I don't I really think... get it is a legitimate question that now I agree with. I'm kind of like picturing like the wild hunt in the Witcher because that was something that like we never knew if the wild hunt was like real or were they like spirits. It's kind of like the same thing. Like if I were to take the wild hunt sword and they were to disappear, would I still have the sword? But I guess they kind of shut that down in the Witcher. I'm making just I'm pulling out a random ass Witcher comparison here, but because that's kind of where my head was going. You're chilling. Uh, yeah, I just my I think last comment because I know, I, I just know that there's going to be a raging discussion on the internet about like the the insinuation maybe that that Matt is a, is a hero of the horn type of deal. I'm interested to see how other people take it. I have I'm not totally in love with it. I read up online of like people talking about it when like the books were coming out, you know, in like 2000, like threads from 2005, 2007, 2016. I could see maybe both sides of it. I, maybe not the execution of that individually was something I was in love with, but I thought Donnell was legitimately amazing in this scene. I think this was like almost like the best Matt like acting that there was. I thought he was just fucking fantastic. I, I'm just so excited that like Matt's like solidified as an actor now. Like there's no, I feel like we were like, oh, how's it going to go type of deal. And throughout this season, I feel like it's just like Donald's awesome. And Matt's just like a great character. So like, I'm happy that this is like where we're at with his character. I guess I guess my final question is like are you coming at this as a book reader because yeah okay because I was gonna say what's the issue even if he is considered a hero it's just because of the it books? just feels like it's very not Matt feels like it goes like against so his character say Matt's spirit never got turned out in this wheel and they blew the and someone else blew the horn are you saying that they don't think like would his spirit have shown up here too or is like that the question I think there's no way. Okay, so you're saying that there shouldn't be no way, but they insinuated that he would have been. I just feel like it's like a thing, like he's not a hero of the horn. Like he doesn't need to be a hero of the horn. He's just kind of like his own thing type. Like like in the books where like Nynaeve and Egwene aren't Taviran. Yeah. And like it was fine. They are like are their own thing that isn't Taviran, you know, which in, in a sense makes them even better type of deal where like they don't even have that like special quote unquote ability type of deal and they're still kicking ass and taking names and like making like a huge name and impact for themselves it just felt like for me when i first watched it i was just kind of like don't love that type mm. of deal okay. and reading uh, up on it i can see both sides of it but i feel like again i'm at this thing and not to like completely ruin a lot of his character but like big thing for him and they they talk about it i think here are they more obviously implied insinuated type of deal of like his whole thing is like i'm not a hero Right, but why is him in past lives having a fault with some of these heroes an issue? I I will well, say, I, I guess I can. I'm okay with like them maybe recognizing his soul and it not being like hero of the horn. But I think it like that's the way how they I ins- took it. Yeah, I feel like the way it was insinuated was more like he is a hero of the horn. I feel like why that is, was like the easy way to take it. Why isn't why it is an issue with me right now? Unless issue was lying when issue gives him the tea to see the past lives. He doesn't see any of that. He, well, again, he didn't see anything. That was a shitty scene. And I well, okay. Happened. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> I also think, I mean, again, Shamiel is the father of lies. 
Yeah, that T was like a whole big fucking lie or yeah. a whole like shenanigan in, in the last place. So if that's a thing, then that's totally fine. But um, I mean, I was waiting to see like past iterations of him and if that's what they saw. But I don't know, because those visions obviously mean different things because we saw Mins of Matt stabbing Rand just to jump forward and it didn't happen exactly like we saw it. So that kind of leans into the you know, talent and the vision being not exactly what you see. But regardless that T I'm taking it unless they say that he's just a father of lies. I don't know if we're going to get a fucking explanation though. Spoiler, because he might be gone. (laughs) My last thought on this whole thing is just that going to be, I think maybe where the confusion might be is again, I might be misinterpreting all this, but like from a show viewer perspective, when we say hero of the horn, like I get that the people that spawn behind Matt are heroes of the horn. But like when you refer to when I'm also hearing hero of the horn, I consider the blower of the horn also a hero. Like maybe in the past life, Matt's alternate or whoever self in one of the spins blew the horn also. And that's kind of what they were referring to is you again, like you blew the horn in a past life. You aren't necessarily one of us as a hero you are just the blower of the horn and that's and, valid yeah and i think whoever blows the horn would also be considered a hero because they're blowing it at a time that needs to be blown pretty much so that's kind of how yeah, I, I just think the issue is yeah that's all I want we're to say. reading too much into it because yeah. there's nothing that's been said that really contradicts until we get more information but agree yeah let's leave it for now and see because because this is going to be a bigger conversation if we haven't said it already kyle and myself and then jimmy another binge town member we're gonna have a book spoiler conversation and this is going to be a huge topic so if you want to if you're aware of the books and like you've read and you don't care about spoilers or whatever that's going to be out in the next two weeks or so we're going to kind of after rewatching and digesting this have these type of detailed conversations without the rooks so yeah james has got to catch up i don't think he's even seen a single episode yet insane all right moving into what will technically be our final bucket as it will just kind of lead us into and look at me completely thinking about the fact that we haven't talked about Moraine and Lan at mm, all. Remember when I tried to bring this up earlier and I got shit <laughs> I, on? I didn't, well, then I was like, I remember I was like, I, I made that mistake in my notes. I mean, I can take us through this just because yeah, this is right directly after Lanfear kicks them out through the ways mm-hmm. and then it's just a Lan and Moraine moment. They have like two or three different scenes spread out throughout the episode and we'll take the first two because I'm sure the third one will be the final like convergence part of this, but they get pretty damn philosophical about their bond. And for me, this was an amazing scene because this is the first visualization you get of the bond and them reconnecting. I thought it looked really fucking cool. I don't know about you guys. Cause it was like, just like the CGI looked good, how they were getting like super intimate. This is what you need to think about when you're thinking about the, the water eyes to die bond because they they're in each other's heads. So of course it would have to be something like this crazy bond. The bond was interesting because like you're saying, the visualization of it was cool. I love the the whole intimate aspect of it too. All like the different facial expressions, because I'm sure there's a bunch of different emotions going on and you know, it's the bond has been closed off for a long time. It's kind of like, you know, you're not going to just completely rip open the dam. Like you're going to slowly open it and like, let the, uh, it trickle in it's not going to be one big rush so that was kind of cool the only thing i had questions was you know we've seen them close the bond before 
when they're very far apart, you know, last season one, when Moraine goes to see the Amberlin seat. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, all right, if she closes the bond, is there going to be a long invisible weave going to land <laughs> to like, you know, do that. That's the only thing when they visualize it, it's like, all right, you got to visualize it every time then. Um, so I liked it though. I thought the whole conversation, I was like, yes, just like get back to square one, get back to baseline. Yeah. Like this is amazing. And I just want a little pat on the back. I think, you know, Dave, we were thinking about it too. Moraine says, you know, the only reason I said that we're not mm -hmm. equal is because I always viewed you as my better. And I was like, knew it. Let's go. Yeah, Land's the best. So predictable. Yeah, it was an easy, easy guess. But <laughs> whoa, yeah, was... don't make me feel bad. I called one, man. Let's go. We all got it. <laughs> you have Put one win. on the board for all a, of us. You have a big win coming later. Yeah, we'll so give you. I've given you credit. You, you're definitely you nail a lot of these, Paul. But um, the very sensual experience it felt yes. like, and CGI has been absolutely on point this season. It's so so the, good. In the end, it gets even better. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I just like how Lan. He just knows her so well. He doesn't even need to feel her emotions, really, to feel her emotions. You know, like he's not physically feeling them, but he knows exactly what's going on inside of her. Mm -hmm. I just love that, like, they're keeping that relationship, even though he's not really feeling the emotions. That just like is such a good, perfect, like a representation of of what they've been through. I guess you could say throughout their entire lives, there fighting. The so shadow. many MVPs in this episode. It's like <laughs> I definitely kind of want to go last, but I also want to go first. But like, it's just there's too many. There's too many because obviously because this transitions us. Like they they get a little bit close to the tower. Moraine kind of realizes that land what Landfear did. She's like, okay, she notices all the ships in the distance, and then we get land just being a fucking boss, man. I fucking love this because all the Sean Chen are chasing after them. And Moraine knows the deal. She knows that she's going to have to bury the ship. She feels the shielding. I guess, if, do we want to get into this right now? Yeah, let's now? just take it okay, anyway. Cause, cause, yeah. We'll get into it later, obviously. But she feels a shielding going on from the boats. And she real recognizes that what she has to do is destroy the boats. At the same time, the Sean Chen kind of arrive behind them. And Lan does what he does best and fucking kicks ass. He is the man. Lan the man, yeah. not Matt the man. But that's for sure. That's right after the coldest line in the episode, arguably, when Rain says, I would literally let a thousand innocents die if it just meant the chance that Rand will live. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I was like, let's fucking go. That's I love so when badass. she talks about that. Like, I love when she just is showing us that she is just so dedicated to the cause of protecting Rand. It's so fucked up, but at the same time, it's, it's just the like the best quality about her. It just makes sense. Like, if you if you know that this person is going to save the entire world universe. Of course, you're going to do anything to protect him, even if it means sacrificing a thousand lives. And hmm. uh, it's cool here too, because we do see Moraine does obviously go through with destroying the ships, but we do kind of get a shot of her afterwards after doing it. She does look very depressed. And I think she knows what she's doing is wrong. And I feel like she maybe even recognizes that there might've been even some sisters of hers, some Aes Sedai that could have been even been on the ship, but mm -hmm. she just, she knows that what she's doing is for Rand. So I like that one, she does emphasize that she has to do what she has to do for Rand. But at the same time, we do see that side of her that is like, shit, I do actually feel bad about all this. At the same and time. Paul, they did a good job of showing her using the fire magic for the first time. Like they were showing the strands being fire. And that's the first time Rain's ever used that color. Yeah, that was awesome. And just to go into the, the 
not all the way in, but her line of like, oh, and fire will run across the sky. I thought that was her like and that was the signal like her destroying the ships was the fire across the sky giving the signal and i was like oh that was cool like it was unintentional you didn't realize that you were the signal right there but we get into that in about a second but just to go back one why are the sean chan running from that side of the beach and not the other direction <laughs> just didn't understand it two land so badass and him fucking grabbing that arrow he was yeah. like nah so many so many goddamn arrows was taking out so many eyes to die <laughs> not this one i'm i'm protecting her um and that then, was a book nod because they already killed the one late earlier <laughs> yeah yeah um and then uh i had that was a third just, one that was so funny about. when this like random squad of sean chan are just yeah, like what? there. <laughs> I just, I, I tried not to let it like dampen my enjoyment of the moment, but it was just like, what the hell are these guys doing here? All right. So, Paul, do you remember the third one or no? I'm trying so hard. I don't think I will. We'll, we'll go. So, this is like the beginning. We'll go back to the beginning of Brandon Egwene and then we'll get through that. And then maybe as we're remember, getting yeah. towards the end, yeah, it'll pop back up for you. We haven't talked about Rand at all. Yeah. Well, we're getting there. So, He'll be the initial scene here because Egwene's kind of maybe run more parallel to each other. But um, so Rand kind of arrives in Falm. He does get a quick glance at Egwene, but he's got bigger plans, which brings him to Turok, High Lord Turok and his <laughs> little personal guard. And this scene was unexpected yet fucking awesome. This I was fucking insane. <laughs> don't give a fuck how different it was from the books. I just thought this Anakin Skywalker moment that he has when he's like fucking with the hood up and he just destroys everybody. Me, Alki, and Dave were just like, that was just fucking wild and so cool. And Alki even said that's like the strongest uh, display of power he had all series, which is both a positive and a negative because it should have been Tarman's Gap last season. But it was also still, this is the fucking Dragon Reborn. Of course, he could just murder 25 people like a Forsaken could. So that was just, just an isolated just badass scene i loved it i was like so ready for him just to finally get a display of power like you guys were talking about uh the heron mark blade the line let's see what it takes to you know i knew you were gonna bring this up to earn yeah. a heron mark on this side of the ocean or something yeah like that. this yeah. side of the ocean see if it like you know we're way tougher over there on the west west right yeah, we actually they're west. Sean Chen is west. This is okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, anyway, him doing the whole dance, pulling out the blade, and then Rand just killing everybody. I was like, this is just Indiana Jones, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, like he just pulls out the gun and shoots him after that big display. Um, so also, I was like, nails totally going to be in the way of some of the swings, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, uh, I was so surprised to see that Tarak was able to to own a Heronmark blade with those fucking fingernails. Like, I just I agree, Paul. I feel like that would just get in the way of so much. But it would have been, it would have been cool to see them fight because they do in yeah. the books again. They, they they battle. I I figured they did, and maybe they didn't have time because I was I was thinking that he was going to go in there and swing the blade once because I'm talking about all these moves. But maybe they're saving it. But I just love the again when he used his power, it seemed like dark red or it seemed like fire ish. So he's just burning with passion. That was lit. Yeah, the part in the books is interesting because they literally have a, a sword battle mm -hmm. and 
Tarek like has earned that Heronmark blade and Rand is book to Rand and he's had like some training from land basically, but it is a thing of it's like, how could he possibly win besides the classic buff of like, he's the destined one type of deal. Cause he has like an internal monologue of like, Oh shit, this guy's fucking good. And then like eventually he ends up winning. And I think this actually visually obviously looks like way better than anything they could have done with the sword fight. I mean, this was fucking cool as shit. The little dance telling, routine too, just to get your ass kicked was funny. <laughs> yeah. I was telling Luke, like I, I feel like I would have definitely liked a, a sword fight here and then finish off with maybe the one power because again, we had Rand had been hinting at his, you know, skills that he's been acquired and we haven't really seen them on display. Like him and Lan have that discussion about the sword forms and everything. And Rand obviously is aware of all these. We just haven't seen him use it. So I, I just, I can't wait to actually see him use the Harry Mark blade for once. It still hasn't really swung it. I mean, it's kind of gone now. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, it's totally not really right. there anymore. I was waiting for CCTC, man. <laughs> but even talked about it. Um, yeah, across the courtyard for the ones not up to speed. Okay, well, we did talk about it last episode. He, didn't, I guess, he didn't have to use it. Maybe you could argue he he used it at the scene, but we'll get to that scene. Okay, so we're gonna, I guess, technically backtrack slightly. So just the beginning of a Gwen storyline is obviously the city is under attack. They need the Demane, and Rena is preparing her for the defense of Falm, her first battle, basically. And again, Egwene, just this level of defiance. We learn some new things even here about what the, the rules are about disobeying. She gets her braid cut off, and then we're at the tower type of deal. I think we can literally take everything we want up until like they get knocked out and like the real confrontation between the two of them. I'm going to be but- honest. I love the haircut. I think she looks <laughs> so good with it. I I love it. Not that the braid wasn't like uh, uh, doing it for me, but I just it just reminds me of like Sakura from Naruto when she like is being grabbed also, by the hair. Uh, and she cuts it. I mean, yeah, gross <laughs> character compared Damn. to Egwene, who's been oh, hot come on. on who's been hot on the rise here for me. But I just meant the short hair. I'm a I'm a hater. Uh, hair. I think I think Egwene looks so good with this look. I mm. it was doing it for me. There was like two times this episode where i got genuinely startled and like shook one was hopper rip and two was her getting her ponytail cut off and it was like her braid cut off i should say and it was almost because it was so sudden and i wasn't expecting it and then the implication and how much that meant as well i was like oh my god that like really fucked with her a little bit um so again i don't know like the whole defiance aspect I was kind of expecting Egwene to be a little bit more like, uh, you know, listening and just, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Fucking acquiesce. Sure. To her. <laughs> That's what you were thinking like of. Subservient. Subservient. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I just, I mean, Egwene's awesome, but also going up to the other ones and all their hesitations, I'm like, yo. The Eurasuldam is probably so embarrassed right now because everybody else is seeing you just act yeah. out. Everyone's like, dude, check out Rena's Demane, dude. What <laughs> a loser. Yeah. Uh, the, I wanna, the disrespect we, that she steps on the braid, too. Are we taking all of this? You said all the way up until she basically kills her? Yeah, up until like up. the like the um the rock comes and like they kind of wake up together for their face right. off. So my biggest comment here is she learns a lot from the catapults, like destroying the area and seeing Megan or me, Megan, 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 Megan dies and the collar comes off. Like it's a huge 
point mm-hmm. of it. But I wanted to bring this up because for Mygen to have like the actor to have come back for two scenes, I think is like awesome. And it's like clout on the show. Like somebody came in, she was in two scenes in season one. She comes back to do two seasons in this season. Same thing with the actor for Luce Theron. I think that's just like a that says a lot about the type, the quality of the yeah. show, and like they they're willing the to get too. yeah, they're willing to get actors just for like one or two scenes because that's like more true to the books. Like you'll see somebody in book three, you won't see him again until book seven. That was always one of the biggest worries about adapting the Wheel of Time, but the fact that they can do these type of things and it's it works. Like that was powerful moment for us to see Megan, the one that she bonded with like in the cell over to her, to her left, whatever, all of this, just to say like, I, I like what they're doing. And um, it makes me more confident going forward that they'll be able to do this and like be more true to the books that will have actors like Logan. Like maybe we don't see him for two seasons and he does come back for season four, but he's not in season three. I hope they do things like that because it just makes it more powerful. Like these characters aren't always at the center of conflict. They're, they're sometimes doing other things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it makes the world like, feel like alive and big. Exactly, too. exactly. I love the one line that they had really early on when Egwene first got captured, and Rena said, "Like you're gonna die with this necklace on," and that's kind of was the visualization. As soon as you die, the necklace just pops off. So mm-hmm. just kind of came full circle. Yeah, I mean, um, we can even I would go into this whole face off. I mean. Oh, I guess the, this was great, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Me and the, Dave were rooting for it. it was so <laughs> yeah, I mean, the two big things happen. One is something that we learn, the knowledge that Paul's been poking around. And the second one is we get the the conclusion, let's say, to someone's life that uh, we may have low key, maybe high key, high key, even rooting for. So I'm sure we, we want to talk about that second one probably more than the first one. <laughs> Take your credit, Paul. Yeah. Let's let's Oh, the first one first. Yeah, first one first. Get it out of the way. Fucking hypocrites they were. They were touching <laughs> yeah. the one power. Of the yeah, source you ask of... it like episode three. It was like, well, like, how can they and they do the things? And I was like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna I be hard. Yeah, like Gosh. I hope yeah, it's like it's all gonna depend on the way he words the question if he asks us. <laughs> and yeah. I besides the killing, the most badass part was Egwene saying, like, yeah, you guys are just too weak in the one power to even get this collar and then she just they play chicken she yeah. wins i was so hype man Egwene just fucking slayed that was awesome that was definitely really hype um i just again i don't really get it though because can, so was the rule was that you can't you can't touch anything that you would use or would think of as a weapon oh, as a weapon yeah to me, so, like if you're gonna say like how was she able to do it? To me, I just feel like in her mind, applying a collar to someone isn't like that's not a weapon. Basically like, hurting them. Yeah, like you could just it. view it as like I'm dressing this person. Like if she's in her mind training herself over and over to just kind of think like, okay, like I'm not I'm not trying to hurt her. I'm just trying to put this on her. Uh, but like because that's like the whole she, mug. Yeah, thing. but she you didn't could... know. She didn't know it was gonna hurt her. She like took a chance. Like she kind of says that there a little bit. Like she took oh. a chance. No, she like I don't know. She knew, and her intent was to make her suffer and imprison her. So I don't know. I just didn't get it because like somebody else came on. Like if Nynaeve came on, uh, put that necklace on her, and then Egwene put on the wrist gauntlet. Like you can do that too. Like you don't have to be the one to put the necklace on, do you? I just think I just, if she were to take that collar so. and try and slap her in the face with it, she would have gotten hurt. Yeah, but she just like 
Yeah, I think she was just it, trying to a, place it. She was moving it from one thing to another, mm. basically. Like, but I like, it, I don't it is, know. it's quite an outlier situation where like a yeah. demane would then collar her own soul dom. Because like deal, so I, I get. I think I understand like the level of confusion for sure. The whole thing was the intent was the behind it. Like you can't like you, yeah, you can hold a pitcher of water, but if you intend to pick that up and throw it at somebody, yeah, like her intention you're was to just put it on her. It wasn't her intention wasn't like yeah. And I mean maybe her intention she's like second, like trained, second she's thought trained her mind. So I mean much. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I that was the only thing, but if, yeah, I guess it's not technically hurting her. So if you just throw it on, but then she does hurt her afterwards. A, I just think it was a guess. Like it was a well, guess also, and I then think, it confirmed like, everything when she put it on her. I think like, it's interesting because she hurts her afterwards, but also like she is a soul dom at that point. She's both a soul dom and a demone. She was getting so hurt. It almost it feels happening. like it cancels out like the, it's stopping her from doing it, but she still feels the sensation of doing it. That's the way I took it. Uh, but that again that just goes back to like you can't have the initial thought to hurt your suldam because if you have that initial thought you get shut down so it's almost like how do you have that thought and then act on it before getting shut down i don't know i was looking at this whole thing very like i i don't know the i would be logistics of it but yeah i'd be interested to see if they come out with like an explanation, like I'm sure that'll I, get asked this, probably like, a day or something. But not come it's like, yeah, it's like yeah. such an outlier thing. I think she just trained herself. I mean, like she literally looks her in the eyes and says, I'm going to kill you. Like how would that like intent in her head when she says, I'm going to kill you in the last episode? I'm sure she was thinking about actually killing her. Like, why was she not hurt then? Like, I think she's just trained herself to be just that good. Like, I don't think she her intent. Again, I just think her intent was to just put the collar on. She didn't know what was going to happen. But once she found out at work, she was like, okay, now I have all the intent to want to hurt you. And That's how it I hurt her back, yeah, which was like, the point that it was. And again, maybe chicken. double negative yeah. just yeah. like cancels out. But yeah. I'm going to say I fucking love the root, the ruthlessness of Egwene here killing Rena because I did not want any mercy. She's begging for her life. I did not want Egwene <laughs> saving her at all. Like there was a split second where I thought she was going to do Me it. And as her eyes shut closed, I'm like, get her out of here. Yeah. Get her I, out. She, she literally on. watched the life go out of her eyes. Yeah. So, but I loved it. It was so badass. Yeah. I actually thought and low key wanted her to save Rena. Is that terrible of me? Wow. Am I like so the she only could torture one? Her more? Is that why? <laughs> no, honestly, no, because it doesn't make you awful at all. Yeah, that was the only reason. Awful, that's yeah. the only reason why. Oh, yeah. put this collar on for a second. <laughs> yeah, just, just because, Roll like, I'm one. I'm thinking, like, you know, she is being told something her whole life. Like, it's almost, you know, you you almost feel bad in a sense because she doesn't know any better. She's literally just that naive. You're but at right. the same time, Joffrey she's, didn't know any better, bro. She's causing. Well, yeah, he did. He just didn't give a fuck. No, his whole but life he's pampered. I don't know. He's just shooting those fucking crossbows into those prostitutes. Uh, but no, <laughs> I. I uh, <laughs> Jane Chatwin, actually. Yeah, he didn't know, dude. He didn't yeah, know. I thought there was going to be like, a, oh my God, you're right. I'm a piece of shit and I'm going to repent kind of stage from Rena. But nah, Egwene was like, no yeah. mercy for you. So I think an interesting thought to take away from this too is that like the two people beyond obviously Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine that know that this is a thing are both dead now. Like the nameless soul Tom that. 90 basically gets killed and then Rena. So like we know it's a thing now, but like the Shanshan culture still has no idea. So right. that's kind of like now we know it's a ticking time bomb, which I think is just like an interesting thing that's just you can even say happening in the background as we move forward. 
And Luke, you mentioned the like the chess piece. I like the the chess piece like falling off as a signifier. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I thought of was just like a, like a Vivre card burning out. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it was like literally the same thing. That was the first thought I had. I was like, oh, that'll be our One Piece fucking line for the. <laughs> we already brought episode. up Nami versus Matt. Oh, so. that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and as Egwene is, you know, the end of basically this enslavement journey that she's at the emotional release she must be feeling is is insane and then another emotional fucking rock gets dropped on her and that her ex-lover essentially potentially even current lover randall thor is alive and he is right next to her behind her on the on top of the tower and i like how he kind of says like i came here to save you but like obviously you know that didn't need to happen because you're a freaking beast girl mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. like would have been real cool if you showed up uh, 45 seconds earlier you would save her a lot of suffering but <laughs> yeah, um, for sure still like just her reaction i was waiting for something but she was like i guess just so exhausted that she couldn't muster up a reaction and you know what let's take so shamuel obviously arrives here that's a very unceremonious way to say that but we'll take it all the way until matt arrives there's just like a lot of interesting lines and conversation that rand and shamuel have here he kind of flicks Egwene away and it's like i don't need you like let me talk to my boy Luz. He flicks Rand too, doesn't he? True. Yeah. 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 And that's Which when he gets awesome. shielded yeah. right away. So he flicks Rand and then he shoots that fireball up in the air. And I was like, what is that? Is he like prepping for something? But that was the signal yeah. to the ones out in the ship. Yeah. Shield this guy. Which I was like, how the fuck do you even have that? Do you see him? Like, do, does the angles make sense that you're looking up from the ocean and you're looking at that a tower little to bit see of him? a. That little bit of the wall broke. And he does say, like, get in a position where you have, like, a view of the tower. So the range, okay I was it. just something I was, yeah, like you said, well, I was shocked by the range of this. I'm I don't know why I just kind of assumed. In that. Yeah, I don't know why I just kind of assumed, like, it had to be, like, a like a five meters, like, D&D kind of thing. Like, it's an 18 yeah. meters. Same thing with know? Moraine's thing. I, that was, like, to me, I was like, damn, she's getting some distance yeah, on those I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, how far, like, if they were to just shoot a fireball in the distance, like, would it just go till... It's however strong you are. Yeah, I guess yeah, that I, makes my sense. Take, I just don't remember ever, like, a level of restriction on it, so... Because Moraine's one of the stronger eyes to die, for yeah. sure. Um, But I, one thing I wanted to bring up about this that I really liked was... Ishi starts like talking about Rand, like pushing his friends to the dark. And this was a turn I didn't expect the conversation to go in, but he ends up saying, like he did to him, talking about Luz Theron in the past turning in the Age of Legends. And Lanfear is kind of what's implied, right? I don't think he name drops it, but he's we got that earlier when Lanfear was pillow talking with Rand, basically, like around that time period when she said, like, he got she got pushed to the she got pushed to the dark side because of his rejection so it's always like the yeah like it's the dragon's actions that are pushing the people close to him to the dark and that's what he's hinting at and i just thought that was a good conversation because yeah. it really like it shows that's it, a very interesting yeah, perspective that's, a, that's what i gotta say exactly yeah. that's what i was trying to say yeah i like to just seeing like even though like Rand standing up here, I thought was really badass because we see what shielding can do to a person, how that can impact you. And it just felt like, you know, it was kind of like if Luffy were to be submerged in salt water and still somehow managed to stand up. Like it, it, <laughs> it was just really cool. Like the struggle, like he does a really good job of facial acting, the whole idea of him being like kind of chained down almost and slowly arising and facing, facing issues head on. I just thought that was really badass of Rand and. I think that him um, again, just telling him that 
issue to his face that he's never served him in any of the past lives is mm-hmm. just so cool and he knows and he's like i know it and i'll never do it either i just thought that was so badass like rand rand stock was already high but definitely went higher here i think the for me the top line delivery is definitely matt in the old tongue before they charged that was like awesome to me but i think the second one is rand like kind of fighting through the shield almost when he says like i'm not loose there and and just like the the fucking it, you could feel like the struggle in him and like how much he means it and like almost the passion and emotion in it and i was like god this guy's fucking awesome he's it's been funny. the best actor st- like acting performance step up from one to two i think yeah he's been fucking awesome i love how much they're making there's like direct connections too obviously we started the episode with like the loose theron and then now we're here towards the end and he's like you know it's the same as your last life you try to be so honorable so proud so perfect and then he even says the end like she's right about you like you're so much like lose but different and it's mm-hmm. like i just love anytime they make that like direct connection between the two of them it's just really cool yeah rand is just like i hate hearing this yeah I yeah, yeah of course, lose, of course. i'm just like give me more of that yeah just completely eating it up it's 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 so like deviously good you know like deliciously evil where he's like you know you abandoned Egwene and turned her in a killer and i was like what an interpretation of those events <laughs> like jesus i mean no what this guy was destined to be a fucking on the dark side because how the hell are you making that guy like that's like a wild interpretation of that which is father just lies baby yeah i mean yeah he's just a master manipulator but all right after these conversations are going on and we're getting deep and philosophical about our lives and then matt arrives on the scene and promptly just whips that dagger staff right at his my shadow. old college javelin paul my old college <laughs> javelin That's just literally awesome. rips it right through his javelin straight into Rand's spleen and it's just like oh okay yeah. i'm gonna be honest i matt shows up in the background and i just my heart sunk because i just <laughs> knew this guy was gonna fuck it up i didn't want him to fuck it up obviously i really like matt i just knew he was gonna fuck it up he's holding the spear he, he confidently throws it up to himself he's like i got this and just pierces fucking random like this guy this <laughs> fucking just, like, goes guy. right through and then thunk and i was like oh my god the old co- the old college javelin paul that's literally all i was thinking. be honest that paul dad episode. you thought rand was dead right yeah <laughs> Uh, the honestly, the thought crossed my mind. I was like, "Are they just gonna time skip like three thousand years to the next dragon?" And oh my like, god. god! Like, <laughs> you fucking and, imagine? Yeah, and like the like, is she still around? All the land, like honestly, I'm been not gonna lie. The boldest thing ever for a TV show to do would be that. Well, I, yeah, well, I didn't it's, know there's more. Not, it's but. possible. I, I mean, it's. I like that your head was there because if she had been, I feel like consistently throughout the episode kind of saying like referencing like oh we might have to wait till the next life yeah, or you know yeah. so it's i if that had happened that would have been wild mm. that's here i come though with the fucking semantics again <laughs> would ran be able to see the weaves of the illusion for ishi i would say yes technically but also he shielded an emotional moment shielded I mean, okay I mean, he shielded he and shielded. land land does say um earlier in episode seven not even earlier in episode seven but at the end when he's like you know concentrate like it feels like it takes like a lot of effort for Rand to be able to like notice those shielded weaves so like that's i honestly coming from thought about it like hunter x hunter like you you can see other people's nan nan i was gonna say towel i was like i knew that's not right you can (laughs) see other people's nan but only if you like 
you know, know the ability to. So I I had that in the back of my mind. Wasn't exactly sure because they didn't really give us the whole answer, especially Logan. Logan's just fucking throwing me off with his quote unquote talent of seeing weaves and stuff. Also, I mean, Shamuel's kind of line right after that is such a simple illusion. How could you not see it? I mean, I took it as him saying it to Matt, but I mean, maybe he said it to Rand. I now that you're saying that definitely think he was saying it to Rand. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I definitely took it as him talking to Matt about that. Yeah. I, my line after that is just, he's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like Rand's just got this eight foot pole sticking out of him and he's talking. But, shit. Right, but now incredible because it was, this was like a huge plan. Like Ishii. Yeah. Even though he doesn't work out for him this season, like the, the planning is still there. Like it's still like, he's still like a master manipulator. The father of lies. We keep saying it. So I'm happy that Min's vision played in like, cause he put all the motion. He put everything into motion with, with Min as well, which kind of led into Min telling Matt, which led into this moment. So like all of that was really like a push a rock down a, you know, like a, a, a hill and it kind of just spirals. And like, he just, a lot of this was sort of in his vision of the plan of how it was going to go. Yeah. I mean, he even says to Pat and Fane, like, you know, I now, like, I know how, not even how he's going to, maybe it's how he's going to die and, like, who's going to do it type of deal. So, like, he saw this coming for sure. Yeah. It's kind of sad that Matt, like, is doing his best and, like, it still all goes according to the Shadow's plan, basically. <laughs> it's like, damn, my boy can't even win when he wins. Do we want to bring up this dagger again? Because my only comment is going to be like the fact that there was obviously a whole ordeal in season one to have Matt, who was, I guess, like Matt was I, holding it. Not I guess he, I guess he didn't get it, yeah. stabbed. You're right. He was holding it because is, in my head, I'm thinking like, why is Rand able to only get healed from it? Whereas Matt had to get this like darkness extracted from him. Moraine almost like swallows it. But I guess, I guess that's one overline difference is that Rand got stabbed and but then again what you want but this is a huge yeah again we've already talked enough about the dagger and how shitty it is so i don't know how much we want to get into it but i was just these are just thoughts that i were having in the moment is like why is it a one shot on everyone else not rand why are they not extracting the darkness yada 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 just so i guess like before we get maybe even to like the fact that it's healed like so we just get we gotta go. I mean, oh, fuck it. We can talk about it. All right. It's just. <laughs> I think it's a point that like you notice the wound and it's like all like black. Black. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. It was, like, that was something I had purpose. noticed. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a thing. Leave it at that. Yeah. That's all I need to hear. Yeah. That's cool. So I like that. Accepting because <laughs> I did notice it was black and I just yeah. I didn't. It does not look good. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Yeah. I just. Uh, getting into Elaine, going into helium, like everybody popping up. And I guess we can talk about, again, a Gwen. Oh, no dude, rules. gas me the fuck up with a Gwen, dude. She's yeah. great she right here. So you can, hot. Yeah, you <laughs> looks so hot here. You can't face down one of the chosen child. And she does exactly that. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't understand it. I didn't comprehend it. I was like, no way you're actually making a Forsaken, like, try hard. Like, this is just <laughs> insane. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know what concussion you just got by being chucked against the wall. But why are you on steroids right now? Because um, we, I've like, I've never seen her do, do the shield, I don't think, before. But, uh, I mean, it, it was just. Um, she does, I believe, do it when they're about to get captured. Yes. Initially. Mm-hmm. Okay. Her puts up Elaine, a shield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. But, but could you I mean, imagine just, how much better Nynaeve would have been? That's all <laughs> yeah. I could think about. That's yeah. literally all I could think about is if okay. Nynaeve is like 
20 times or whatever they fucking said. Nine or Egwene. Nah, Team Egwene. I don't get it. So not I just Egwene casting with no hands and channeling with no hands. Just so cool. Looking. She's just built different. I mean, they've also mm-hmm. been kind of giving us the line, but almost both ways. Why, like you're saying, Nynaeve's obviously stronger, and they keep reinforcing that. But also, Egwene's a freaking beast. She's one of the you know one of the strongest people they've seen in you know thousands of years. So, and then I also like how it's like not easy as well. Like she is getting worn down over time. Oh yeah, which I thought was good that it wasn't just like super easy for her. So I feel like that would have felt almost like too yeah, soon. She literally turns to him and says, "Like I'm sorry, like I'm not strong enough." And yeah. then that's when. Yeah, Paris. which such a chill moment, dude. I love that parent showing up. Just, it was cool. Then again, what's with the shield? I don't get yeah. it. Like, well, also the shield. Originally, I was like, "Come on, like that shield can't break the power." But also, I mean, if you want to take the the line of, it's a shield of the hero of the horn, and it's fucking mythical, like spiritual, special shield. Then I am willing to swallow that for sure. Yeah, All if right, I say cool. Paul, it disappears when everybody else does. Are you are you happy? No. You could even probably go back and maybe see if it's yeah, like there on the ground. Why? That makes when it the, better because then that fo- that follows through with when the heroes show up, they all have weapons. Like you saw the I girl with the bow, you saw the guys with the swords. But like, I feel like it's a gift that would just not, it shouldn't disappear. I don't know why I'm thinking it like that. Again, I'm, <laughs> that I'm just thinking like of the Witcher. Like, I'm Dave. just thinking of the Witcher. Like their armor piece fell off and like they didn't take it back with them. So it's left in the real so world. Can they just conjure another shield? And then drop it, and then conjure another. Now shield we're and over dissecting it. it. I'm going to say no, but <laughs> over dissecting no it. There's, there's a shield back down. Why? Yeah. Call and they're just like out here, just like immediately just making like a. Yeah. Everybody a gets shields. Spears. Everybody gets shields that can block Ishi. Like they're fucking. Everybody no. grab one. No, like, no, I don't like, that was like his shield, is what I'm guessing. Yeah, they can't but Uno gave his one shield to Perrin. Definitely big Captain America vibes, and not only to go in with the shield of Captain America. Like this was literally the Avengers Assemble moment, which. I loved earlier the Matt and Perrin reunion, but it just gets completely overshadowed by this reunion because this was the reunion that just meant so much to all of us. Like, finally, we get our Emmons Field 5 back together again. Like, the band is just here. We're jamming out. We're rocking and rolling. I was was so hyped. Plus... Plus Elaine. Elaine, who I am, <laughs> she Evans Field Six, baby. Let's just, she's, she's she might as well be from the yeah. two rivers. She's the daughter, air, bro. She ain't part yeah. of Evans Field. They're she all owns Evans Field. So. Owns Which, Evans Field. Oh my god, the way Rand when he was getting healed, oh by Elaine looks up and was yeah. like, "Who are you again?" Is, the, the sun's behind her. It's like, "Are you an this, angel? Uh, like, are you to fall in love with her?" Like that's literally <laughs> what I thought. I think like, is this is my, this a fucking like lo- love beginning triangle? Just, yeah, my literally comments, hubba hubba. My comments on that, I definitely noticed that too, Paul, 100%. I have a note about it because it felt very out of place. But like as I'm like rewatching it and like we're kind of getting to the aftermath of everything, I'm jumping the gun here. We'll, um, but I'll say that at the very end here, like when Rand is proclaimed as the dragon and he's overlooking like the whole, all the city of Thalm, there is a shot of Egwene looking at him standing off on the edge and she kind of seems like annoyed to me. Like she's not happy. And this I is Egwene, like not Elaine. Egwene, right? sorry, Egwene okay. is overlooking just, and just checking. has an annoyed kind of look on her face. And I feel like the combination of like all the events that just happened with her being a demone, and then the whole thing about Rand lying to her. I'm not gonna like. I'm not shipping this by any means, but like I feel like there is now potentially a rift that could happen between Egwene and Rand. Maybe there's room for an Elaine love arc here. But I do genuinely believe that Rand and Egwene will be the Call ones the ending shot. up, uh, ending okay. up together at the end of the show. 
I just think for maybe the time being, there's going to be a rift because of the events that just happened to Egwene because Rand I mean, just lied to him. They're supposedly best friends, though, Egwene and Elaine. Yeah, and that would throw that a rift in there. Yeah, that would. There we go. Boom. I'm I'm writing the show itself. Let's, baby. let's work up to that because a <laughs> couple yeah. a couple. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I cut. I, this is this should be the thing that you wanted to talk about with because Ishi, you know, after oh, Rand yeah. gets healed and the sword comes out. <clears throat> The Dragon Reborn fucking shows up and starts whipping out his magic, which is fucking awesome, and then just pulls out his Heronmark sword and shoves it through his heart, and it's just the slow that's just pull like, up. Holy, that's like a series finale moment right there that's happening in book two of 14. Like, what yeah. the fuck oh, is Oh, dude, happening? I mean, like, the season one finale, technically, when he exactly. kills him there, kills him there. It's like, like, how the fuck is there more story? And then he gets Thanos snapped away as he just fucking yeah. Yeah. fades to dust. I, I liked how they kind of make it, like, obviously, like, Egwene has, like, a big moment here, and, like, Perrin's involved and stuff, but I like how it still ends up being kind of Rand's moment, where, like, even Matt is, like, like Rand, like, you have to do something. And when he's like, I can't because I'm shielded, but then the shield drops and he kind of like steps through everyone. Because like, Rand's the guy. Yeah. Type of deal. Feels... That's why people were upset kind of about the season one finale where like they completely stole his like amazing moment away. And again, it's not exactly like it's supposed to be really all him again. But I don't hate the idea that they're like involving all these other characters because they're still our main characters. This was the correct ratio compared yeah. to season one of how much Rand does. Yeah. I yeah. could use a little more. It I could have felt, used a little bit more. <laughs> it literally felt like one more. piece where like the crew and everybody are just waiting for Luffy to yeah. like regain his strength and then go hop in. That's what it felt like. And that's good. Um, so you know, when he does finally pull brand channels and has like it, it was almost like how Swan had the air knives around her. He kind of has like this weird fire around him. Yeah. And it was like enveloped all around him. That was really cool. Yeah. And then, you know, it just meets issues the channeling like head on. Um, and you know, the slow motion drag with a blade up. I loved it, except issues jacket didn't have a big gash in it when he was laying <laughs> on the ground. It was just one little poke hole, and I was a little pissed about that continuity. And then small details, baby. Dude, small details piss me off. That's why it's A tier, Dave, not S tier. Because <laughs> that's why it's A tier. But my only other question was was Rand imbuing the blade with some type of channeling? Otherwise, why did that same exact blade not kill Lanfear? That is how I took it. It, it in me the too. books it's much more obvious. Okay. In in the books it's literally the two of them are like in the in the air fighting with like fire and a bunch of shit and like it it is more obvious that Rand is using kind of the power along with like this weapon and things like that. He gets um, the heron mark burned into his yes. palm which yeah, was yeah. really cool and you know that's why because at one point he's touching, grabbing the blade and pushing it up. I'm like, what well, the fuck are you grabbing the blade? And then you know, he grabs or it shows the actual burn mark in his palm. And I was like, right, yeah. never mind. That's fucking cool. So <laughs> Yeah, because obviously it was so heated up. It literally just melts inside of a chamois, basically. That's that's how I took it. And that's why it just disintegrated because there was so much going into through. Like it was the sword was the conduit of all the energy going from Rand into Ishi. And before... We'll let, we'll let Dave yeah, know, I'm say for, some words. Yeah, I'm I just want to say that we can't also step away from like the unique, I won't say subversion because like this is in line with his character of him saying uh, as, as uh, Ishii's dying, he says like, do you see that? Like 
it's beautiful. And then he goes, what do you mean? And he's like, I see nothing. And he just kind of like happily fades away, which was a huge part of his character. So, but anyway, Dave, what do we think? All right. My boy, Ishmael, <laughs> rest in peace, my boy. Um, I have to admit, um, when I first watched it happen, the, the blade pierced his heart. I felt a little cheated. I felt like I'm again, I might be completely biased because as you, everyone knows, I am like, it feels like the world's diehard, like issue fan. Number <laughs> the one. foremost expert. Yeah. So it felt a little anticlimactic. I'm going to be honest uh, that he was able to go down just from that one piercing. Um, the end scene, which we'll get into, makes me feel a lot better about his death in this moment. But I guess for me, the expectations were, you know, this was the guy. This was going to be someone who was going to make it the distance. He was going to be one of the final final battles in the ends end seasons. Um so I, I guess it was more so my expectations that made this scene feel a little more anticlimactic than it should have been. I agree. Again, the end scene helps me feel a little bit better about it, but it did feel a little anticlimactic. I still, at the end of the day, I still think this scene was good. I love Ishi. If you guys didn't know that already, yeah, I'm going to miss him so much. I do. I don't know how it would be possible. I hope there's a way to kind of incorporate him back into the show. Like the actor himself was just incredible. I just feel like if even yeah. in season three, four, five, whatever, like we got a flashback, just including him, like I would just absolutely love that as a diehard Ishi fan. Um, but yeah, it felt a little anticlimactic, and I'll explain why it didn't at the end here with the la- with the end credit scene. I will maybe say a little Age of Legends it- flashback. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're two for two technically, but I think for me. Part of it, obviously, he's kind of like beating Egwene's shield down and, you know, everyone feels kind of powerless against him. But it also felt like quite easy. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because, I mean, we do get a good display of of his power. I think him using the power and seeing the fireballs around him and like shooting into the shield was really badass. But, yeah, you're right, Kyle. And I think they did not necessarily like they kind of created their own controversy almost with with Paul's point about Moraine uses the sword and stabs Lanford through the heart and like nothing happens. Well, not not necessarily nothing happens, but like obviously this doesn't happen type of deal. So I don't know. I, I, I think it kind the only, of the only devil's advocate like point I'll make is that he seemed so in the mindset that like Rand the dragon reborn is like so early in his development. Like he kind of underestimated yeah. them and they all just kind of glowed up super quickly specifically Egwene and rand like in this moment this was like a character development moment for them so maybe he wasn't really ready for it but i agree like Landfear has kind of been made out to be stronger yeah. than what we've seen and that's not the case because this is supposed to be the dark yeah. ones the o- left and he like the only time the way I it happens f- in the books is like it's kind of tough because they've kind of been i think they're trying to combine a little bit books two and three because they have very similar story arcs mm-hmm. and the way he like goes away in the books is like finito, like insane, like damn type of deal. Like it almost is like a like a conqueror's hockey moment where like like the sky splits and like the storm clouds go away, like all that kind of stuff happens. So I think for me too, I think I agree with like my expectations coming in are what are kind of fighting against me really, really and in- potentially enjoying this to the fullest. I will say, though, you know, this was huge, huge moment. And just to jump forward just a little bit, Moraine, oh, yeah, she, we can, 
sees all of this going down. She can just tell somehow for some reason that, you know, Rand is up there and, you know, she has the line. I kind of already talked about it earlier, like uh, the dragon will announce himself with fire going through the sky. I don't know the actual quote, but, you know, then she busts out that fucking weave. And I was like, where have you been hiding that fucking thing? That was awesome. That is, I got chills at that moment, like legitimately and Rand walking to the edge of the tower and everybody chanting and, you know, it just, it felt like, all right, this is it. This is the announcement. We kind of talked about it. You know, we theorized whether or not he would announce himself to the world, but this was pretty badass. And Rain being there to channel that fucking fire dragon and it just roaring down in front of everybody. I'm like, goddamn, right. It's the dragon reborn. That was badass. Dude, what did you think of like- that? That's the CGI budget right there for half the season went towards that. Yeah, That's why they couldn't fight in the air because the dragon had a roar a few times. What did, what did I you think, think of that, that Luke? Um, I mean, I have issues with it, but it, like, it's still awesome. Yeah, like, it almost makes me feel bad to like not enjoy it in the fullest. Oh, I, I split my attention right down the middle. I said, this is <laughs> fucking the best thing ever. And then it's it's literally a point in the books that we're in a fantasy world right now, but dragons don't exist. Like you shouldn't really necessarily know what a dragon is to do something like that. But also, okay. I'm, also the worst part about it is it's just like a forced prophecy thing rather than it just being a natural prophecy thing. And that's, yeah. that's top two biggest complaints. Like, but I put that aside because of how badass the fucking it looked really CGI cool. Dragon yeah, was. Like the like, roar when it like actually like goes in the tower and like yes. roars above all of them. was like I, an insane. I literally never imagined that shot in my life. I do hate the forced prophecy thing. Like, it's like, they're like, Oh wait, we got to. And that honestly even goes back to Lanfear's line. That's bad. And in, in hindsight saying like, wait to call the banner or whatever. Like all of that seems like, it's a, the prophecies are supposed to happen regardless of what people do. Not yeah. Oh, if Moraine like it's your moment, do it. It's supposed to just have happened. That's like, why I was talking about when she destroyed the ships. I thought that was the moment, and she didn't even realize it mm. until afterwards. That's why I was like, oh, she announced it. But symbolism wise, that would have been better. But yes. like, but also we wouldn't have gotten the cool ass dragon. I mean, they could have incorporated it to the fact that like. What is Goku's finishing move that is like the dragon punch, basically? Like, oh my god! Like they could have easily made it. Well, I know, but I'm just thinking like, Rand's sword could have like had the swing of like a fire dragon that like cuts through Ishi kind of thing. Like, maybe I'm thinking of this from like an anime perspective. Yeah, it would have been cool if you like if you like put it through him and then shot fire like through the sword. Yeah, or like a dragon comes out of his back and then everyone kind of looked like it. That would have been sick. I mean, I'm with you. I'm I'm sure you're on the same page about the force prophecy thing, right, Kyle? Like that was like a complaint. Yeah, I don't know why they had to do that. It's also kind of tough because. Again, you can kind of write whatever words you want on the paper of like describing how it looks and like how are they going to make it look in the story of the TV show. But yeah, it kind of popped out and I like wanted so hard to just like break my own brain and just like enjoy it like pure like ignorance of anything that happens in the story type of deal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was kind of like... Because it felt like they were just like they they had been saying the dragon will proclaim himself there. It's not Moraine will proclaim yeah. the dragon there. You know, like. But still, yeah. either way, either all way, all the other great. things that happen, and I'll just list them real quick, and we can just talk about whatever we want. But like, so so the Emmonsville Five plus Elaine just proclaim themselves like in front of all of Falm, 
everybody's cheering. You see, yeah, that's see, also an interesting point is that they're all up there and everyone dude, can see all of them. This is what exactly. I want to talk about and because yeah, that, yeah. and then I feel like just before you keep going, just the fact that Rand even, or sorry, that Matt even blew the horn to me, I feel like is like even a symbol in itself. Like I just felt like the horn was always meant for the dragon and Rand, and yet Matt's out here blowing it. So I just, it's just interesting that that's they a do conversation. that. Yeah, yeah. Like because we had in season one been talking like, Oh, like the cheesy route would be like all five of them the dragon. I know you guys have harped on us just to inform us like Rand is the dragon. Like that's yeah. it. But like it goes so much deeper than just that because they were all five plus one were up there and you know they're doing things. <laughs> plus one. I like how I like how that almost makes Elaine more special and that she's plus one versus yeah. like no, five. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely a plus one like plus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the quick glances we get to see though that I think are worth pointing out is mm-hmm. we see Avienda and the Aiel proclaim Karo Khan, which was that like a was moment. Sweet. Yeah, now, did you I, have... I, I I feel like I tiptoed around the question, and I'm not sure if you guys knew what I was asking when we talked about that scene initially, of like, like we... Like I thought maybe you guys would think of like who the Karo Khan was. Yeah, no. like, because she was saying, like, the Aiel people were looking for the Karo Khan, the chief of chiefs, and like, we didn't really have a conversation about it. Yeah. We could. I but, said I said Perrin was going to be... Oh, she, that is yeah. actually <laughs> so true. You did say that. <laughs> Um, but let me let me rattle off Swing these other four points. The the heroes of the horn disappear. That just was naturally going to happen. I'm happy that that wasn't like anything that turned me off. There, uh, you see, you see, um, the uh, you see Masima like looking up, like he's happy. You see Landfear, she's just incredibly happy and satisfied with how this whole plan went. And that's pretty much it. Like we get, and then it just ends on the before we go to the epilogue, the really cool shot of and pan out of the the five plus one on the tower and it was just really fucking cool besides do, the, yeah do we know where the horn went with the one here the horn kind of grabbed it and put it behind her back but that was kind of it yeah, yeah. It kind of seemed to disappear which there are interesting implications behind that as too um that'll probably be that's luke jimmy and i i'm sure we'll talk about that yeah on the oh, podcast me and but, dave will um, go fuck ourselves yeah <laughs> probably but uh but yeah, that's it was definitely an interesting thing they yeah. did. It looked cool. Looked like she, that was not the first time she's done that with the horn. No, that was honestly a magic trick. It was sweet. <laughs> but yeah, I just they did a good job here of focusing on the right people. I guess is what I'll say. Yeah, which was did. cool. They've, All right, I'm gonna go back and exa- rewatch. I it. know exactly what you're talking about too. Yeah, yeah. Well played, well played, team. Well played, Dave. We're going um, back and dissecting. <laughs> so, is that? All we have before we get to this epilogue. Yes, do it. Dude, Let's get to it. I okay. miss Ishii. I miss so, <laughs> epilogue was so good. So after Landry gets to see her boy proclaimed as the dragon, she's trying to ride that high, retrieve her spoils of war. But she finds her spoils have been spoiled already by a Shamayil, and there is someone sitting in his chair. Dean, baby. Yeah, this was... What an introduction, man. I... The way she's like playing with her weaves just kind of like was reminiscent like of a spider web almost. Like I just uh, it was so cool seeing her and then softly, softly from the shadows. That's gonna be yeah. my new catchphrase. Um <laughs> <laughs> Are you transferring all your fandom shares into her or is it too soon? No, nah, no. Nah, she she hasn't you're, you're a free agent still? I'm a free agent right now. We need <laughs> we need to balance this back out. But this was a great introduction to Mogadir because I just feel like Mogadine. Mogadine. I keep saying Mogadir because I have it written as Mogadir for whatever fucking reason. <laughs> but um, just great introduction. I am so curious on just what her powers are and like who would win a fight, her versus Landfear, because it did seem like Landfear was kind of like 
thrown off a little bit by how strong she was. And but at the same time, Lanfair fires back and is like, I'd win. And she's like, eh, you maybe wouldn't win. So I'm just it's really cool because, again, Lanfear, I felt like was shaking in her boots right here. And we haven't really seen that at all. And yeah. like Ishii kind of intimidated her a little bit earlier in the season, but it wasn't to like this extent. So he was breathing heavy. She was sweating. Mm-hmm. I honestly got scared for her. The the line, how she's talking to Lanfear saying like, oh, we all the other ones thought that you and Ishii and the dragon were too close. Like, and now we kind of have the proof about it. And just it was actually terrifying i'll be honest that's the line that kind of saved issues death for me a little bit because while he had been painted in my mind as this like unkillable god almost we had been recurrently being reminded that you know he was a friend of Lou's. we see we got the intro scene of him and how his reaction was when he like last saw Lou's when he was getting sealed away like all of these things come together here and it just emphasizes that that was his weakness like rant like the dragon as ironic as it is was always Ishi's weakness and Lanfear's weakness and so for him to die by the like the dragon because he maybe had these conflicting feelings of like yes he wants the wheel to break but at the same time like he maybe also knows that Luz is also the person that's capable of killing him and like putting him out of this misery like this these lines here make me feel better about Ishi's death because it paints him more as like okay he did actually have a huge weakness and it was exploited and that's why he's dead mm-hmm. so that's all uh, i'll say here so stealer scenes was initially issues i said personally lanfear got stealer scenes i think she just passed that on <laughs> to the next forsaken i yeah, think we'll every see. every time they're on everybody's like everybody shut up this is like big info jump how good are the fucking forsaken we are three for three and this is like if I could have had one wish before the show started, I would I would have said make the Forsaken as great as they were in my head. And yeah. like I honestly want to say Mogadine or Mogadine, whatever you want to say, is already better in the show than the book off of this one fucking scene because yeah. it was so fucking cool. The lighting was dark, her weaves were amazing. She says a couple that of cool true. lines here. She goes, This is a warning. She's like, When I strike, I don't miss. And she's like, This is your only warning. Don't fucking come near the dragon anymore that the dragon belongs to the rest of us talking about the rest of the forsaken. And then when she pieces out, eventually Lanfear has another great line. She goes light help you Randall Thor. Cause that she's just awesome. like, Jesus Christ, man, You're this fucked. whole epilogue was a top five yeah. scene of the show for me. I I'm oh. just gassed up anytime a forsaken is on the screen. And the fact that we're already three for three, the tone is correct. The yeah. tension is there. I think the forsaken are just going to carry the show. It's going to be so good. Yeah. Like Dave was talking about that. I'm not even going to say her name. The new Forsaken uh, seemed like spider webs and from the like the shadows and whatnot we were talking about. So maybe like some little spider aspect to it. But also when she left, light came back into the room. Like they had like a dark filter on or whatever. And as soon as she left, it like popped back up. So how about the way she left too? Like, yeah. it just sneaks out and just like she's like backed up on that fucking yeah, yeah that was so cool it looked like a warren paul didn't it she like kind of like kind of yeah just kind of now she looked like the way that like thanos teleports around That's yeah literally yeah. what i was gonna say yeah, yeah like so the portals just, that he opens it looked like that 
expectations for season three are just way <laughs> higher than expectations for season two now <laughs> well that's like, i mean that's exactly what you want out of a season two then fuck the yeah, only other thing that i kind of picked up on here was that it felt like lanfear was maybe uh like the tutor of mogadine uh because it was some weird comment i, I guess say like this is what you always told me or like said about I'm, me like, like yes that. yes mogadine was saying to lanfear that like you always thought i was weak and so I'm just thinking, like, maybe there's, yeah. like, a mother-daughter well, she, aspect yeah. here. She said basically that Lanfear, like, gave her that, like, softly, softly from the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Thing. So like, I that think, was kind of her view of her. I'm interested to see if they dive into that relationship at all. Because it does feel like, again, like, maybe there's a mother-daughter, tutor, tutelage kind of thing going on here. <laughs> Couldn't think of the could word. Could be, could be. Yeah, just, I, I have nothing else to say. It's just fantastic. This is... Yeah. arguably one of the best scenes show. <laughs> in the whole show it was just fucking awesome i mean what a way to end this season mm-hmm. i could yeah. I, I really almost can't think of a better way for them mm-hmm. to have ended it so let's let's rip the mvp lvp and then we're going to do for the last time our top three favorite characters mm-hmm. exiting season two i can't yeah. do top favorite characters <laughs> all right who wants to go first for which wow, which one are M- we gonna do? Are we? Gonna- do you want to do them all at once, or do you want to do MVP, LVP, and then? I think we should do all three at once. All just three takes at once. Yeah. Fine. All right, give me it. I'll try and I'll try and bang this out. Holy shit. Um, MVP. Like I said earlier, there could I could have given this to like ninety percent of the characters in this episode. I feel <laughs> like, but I'll just give it to one that I've never given it to before. We're gonna go with Landfear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Love. We just got to give the Forsaken in here. Obviously, could have easily been Ishii for no apparent reason. <laughs> no, but Lanfear, without her, you know, Ran never gets proclaimed. Well, probably gets proclaimed, but in the in the manner that it did. So she was a huge MVP here for our boys um, and girls. And then LVP easily. We'll just give it to Nynaeve. <laughs> yep. Um, we'll just get it out of the way. She just delete not, that one. I yeah, even just wrote not it down. being able to to heal elaine in the moment like like paul said it's like if not now when like are you yeah. gonna need another child of yours to die we'll see we'll get there i'm sure that'll be explored heavily in season three i feel like Nynaeve's glow up is it's got to be due like if, if it wasn't season one it wasn't season two it's got to be coming soon because she has been an lvp for too long favorite I, characters to end so the season. i'll remind you of your post episode four takes this is mid-season your top three was ishamiel lan and then logan <laughs> no way it's the same anymore no it's not um because so many characters obviously have gotten some great screen time and like a lot of screen time so um issue number one that's not that's not going to change um, for a little bit. I feel like, and then this is just like a clusterfuck of just names that it could literally be anyone. Um, I'm trying not to let the biases of like this episode get to me, um, but I'll I'll definitely solidify Rand in there. She's just so hard not to at this yeah. point. I feel like um, <laughs> now we're struggling. We're really struggling here. I'm just gonna throw out. I'm stuck between two characters. We'll give it to Sam both. All right. Egwene and Lan. Okay. Uh, the only reason I'm like, ha- the only reason Lan is maybe dropping, I'm considering him dropping out of the top three is just because he just didn't have like, like those moments. Like it was a very generic storyline for him. Like, you mm-hmm. know, going to Agreed. get Moraine and like, it was very sentimental and everything he did was great, but it just wasn't like, wow wow factor like a Gwen had this season so i will throw a Gwen at three so it's ishi 
Rand and Egwene. And I want to remind you, Land storyline and Moraine's is pretty boring. It's book two, so this is like it's not the writer's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, and honestly, I'm book three. So and book three. Yeah. All right, Paul, you can go next. All right, MVP Rand. Just, just way too many badass moments of him just murking people and little effort and. I don't know. I'm just ready for more dragon, the chosen one prophecy fulfilled power explosions. I mean, I'm just, I'm ready for it. So he had a lot of growing in this episode alone and just showing power. I feel like, so I'm ready for him to blow up uh, LVP. I'll do Rena. Just, <laughs> way to just I think she's been an LVP in every episode. She's good, been. good. I'm happy with the sender <laughs> off of that. She was up there on the top of the tower when everybody, all the dragon was proclaiming himself, and uh, but she was just dead body up there. Okay. So, congrats, you were around, but you were so irrelevant. So, fuck Rena. Um, and then, all right, I can remind you here. So, your top three was Perrin, Egwene, and Lan. So, you had the foresight that Dave didn't have, basically. Yeah. Kind of, as always. That's how it always is. Paul always has the foresight. (laughs) Yeah, except like potential going back now because, like, honestly, I have Rand as one because Mm -hmm. I just want to. I just want to see what happens with him. I want to see if that was his next step between seven and eight. I want to see his step between fucking episode eight of season two and the beginning of season three. Kelly's watching the finale right now. I just got to text all caps Egwene with like a million E's at the end of it. (laughs) She strikes me as an Egwene girl. (laughs) I'm going to go Egwene as two because she's a badass. And what we saw, I can't wait for to see what she else she does because I feel like she's just going to get way stronger. And then three, I'm honestly going to say Moraine because this is... uh, like her with her powers back, it just feels good. It feels like Yen with her powers back. It just feels like everything is right with the world. Badass again. Insane flexes of power. I'm just, I'm hype. I love, I love Moraine land back together. So Do it's like Moraine fourth? slash land. Okay, yeah, you go see us. There you go. You can have yeah. land as your fourth. I'm, I'm also taking fourth. a fourth, so it's good. Yeah, I had land on there. Thing. So Moraine and land together. I'm glad sorry. I wasn't the only one struggling with to cut it down to three. So it sounds like we're just going to do top. Oh, yeah. I, I, before you went, I had four. So I was just going <laughs> to say four. All right, All right, let's hear it then, Luke. Um, I'm going to take the easy MVP here and give it to my boy, Matt, dude, because hell fucking yeah. I already gushed over the horn and the spear like. All That's funny. It, I had just, him as an LVP. <laughs> yeah, well, get the fuck out of here. You're fucking <laughs> wrong. Talk to fucking I didn't, I mean, I didn't know you could be was wrong. Luke's, but... Luke's prophecy was that he was going to be someone's MVP or LVP, and he was, yeah. I guess, almost both. Yeah. Um. So Matt was my MVP, and LVP, I had nothing. So I just... Honestly, I went with Pot on Fane because my expectations were probably a little too high, and I felt like he just kind of like bitched out, which is a plot mover for Matt. He was a he was a um catalyst for Matt's story rather than just being more of a presence that I wanted him to be. Uh, but I'll leave it. I still love Pot on Fane, so but he's he's my LVP for this episode. Now, favorite characters, go ahead. What did I say? Because I'm I'm curious if it changed. Yeah, yours were Rand, Shamayo, Moraine. Okay, so Rand, Landfear. And then Moraine slash Egwene. So basically, it stayed the same. I flipped out uh, Forsaken, and I will never look back on that because Landfear fucking was fighting for the first spot this season. (laughs) Jesus, she was so good. All right. So my MVP is going to be... hmm. 
a lot of the good ones were taken naturally. Don't you dare my, say Perrin. My MVP is going to be Mo Gideon because I honestly think that she did more to get me excited for season three almost than anything else that happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. So that's that's MVP worthy numbers right there. LVP is easy. That is going to be Jeffrey Bornhold who fucking <laughs> took Hopper away from us. I'm shocked that he made it down to me. Essentially, I take it back. I thought about it. He was my <laughs> yeah. fourth option. Yeah. Um. And then, so my characters were Shamiel, Elaine, and Perrin. So I'm going to rework that, and I get four. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, and I want to say in no order, it's tough, but I'll say it's so hard not to be recency biased, but I'll I say Shamiel. Really so yeah, I'll say Shamiel, Lanfear, Rand and Elaine. Yeah, I was gonna say, just say your girl. Egoid <laughs> <laughs> is so tight there, and I feel like I'm always thinking like completely objectively and like the impact on the story and like, the character development, everything. But I feel like I needed a little so that, the recency bias, bias one in there. Was Rand in all four? Yeah, I love that. That's he was just, just really good towards the end of the just, season, man. He's just the guy. Recency bias definitely shot Egwene up so much yeah. for me. like these episodes were fucking fantastic for mm-hmm. her I'm I'm like it's just it, I love all these characters to be honest they're all just great Lanfear was such a blessing to this season Mogidian is going to be so good in the future like this whole thing like I feel like we're in good hands and I feel I know like the both the finales have been the weaker parts of the season. I seasons, know. But Just like, give me a fucking banger at end of season so I don't have to feel <laughs> weird about it. But if I'm being honest, like I didn't fall in love with the book series until a little bit after this, too. That's like I, I liked it a lot, at, especially after from book two to book one. But like I really got into it. Book three, book four. So I. It doesn't surprise me that we're feeling like this. I just hope that next time there's going to be nothing weird with the mad actor. There's going to be nothing COVID related. I think like next season is going to be full steam ahead and it should be what really like puts this show into like mainstream conversations. Cause again, I said everybody I know that hasn't read the books that has watched the show loves it. So that's just such a good sign for the average viewer that I I'm just fucking hoping that we're here in two years talking about how good season three is. Yeah, two years. Jeez. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, maybe a little it. less because then it got greenlit pretty quick, and they started filming. I think, right? Is that, I know is season that three I mean, was already. It's green. tough because they were they were filming season two when season one was coming out. That's true. Mm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess we'll we'll stay positive. Does anyone else have a, a a parting thought before I completely send us off for our wheel of time coverage for the foreseeable? Give future? me season three. That's it. Yeah, give me season three. Rest in peace to my homeboy, Ishii. He's definitely got peace now. He's got peace and quiet to think on for the rest of his time. And then Rip Hopper. Love that yeah. guy. That's our dog. Hopefully we see Elias again yeah. soon. And Rip, uh, the non-dark friend, Ingtar. Hmm. Yeah. This version of Ingtar. <laughs> Shout out to him, I guess. Rip oh. Ishii, the mover of plots. <laughs> okay. So that's going to do it for our season two coverage i guess episodic coverage episodic episodic coverage of amazon prime's the wheel of time i had a blast doing it over this what was it four weeks five weeks six weeks who can say at this point every time we drop an episode i get so giddy 
every time I watch an episode, I get giddy to talk about it. Then we do the podcast after we record the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's the best podcast we ever recorded. And then we like drop the podcast and we get like the responses and the interaction. And it's just like, it's been so fun. It's been like, honestly, one of my favorite things we've done on the podcast. So just thank you, everyone who's been listening, supporting, reaching out. And kind of just even the giving wheel, us feedback, baby. compliment <laughs> the wheel. He puts up the wheelchair. <laughs> well, I was sitting there like, okay, and then just the wheel, baby. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I got. We're obviously we're going to be covering other shows. Benchtown is not just a Wheel of Time podcast. Gen V just came out on Amazon Prime. That's probably going to take over probably top spot for us in our focus. We're covering Jujutsu Kaisen, which is an anime. We're big anime fans. If you couldn't tell from. All the One Piece references we've been dropping. The Fall of House of Usher. Huge Mike Flanagan fans here right in time for quote unquote, aka hashtag spooky season. So if you're into all of those things, stick with us. If you're not, stick around. Something will happen. We'll cover something that you like. I know Percy Jackson's coming down the pike in December, which I'm personally very, very excited for. And more things to come, of course. Our, the, our real-time book coverage or book reactions yeah. coming soon, too. Yeah, this won't be the the last you hear or see from us on this feed and yeah just as always and again thanks for listening we are benchdown tv and we love you guys wheel in the sky keeps on turning you're listening to the geekscape network